back. Boom, boom, boom. Welcome, welcome, everybody, one and all. This is Split the Screen episode 20 something. Uh, I've only had like six months to kind of work out. I think it's like you, tw 26, have you maybe. Not counted. I think it's 26. Wait a minute. Let me go into the uh, podcast uh, thing on here. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Oh my God. Did you just retweet? Wow. Somewhat a celebrity <laughs> just retweeted me. Uh, what an honor. What an honor. Uh, let me, let me just see. Yeah, it is split the screen. 26. I was right. I, I mean, was. Two people in chat have already said that. So you could just read chat. Well, I'm not, I don't listen to myself. Do you ever listen to the podcast? No. Never? <laughs> oh, I didn't even listen when I'm speaking on it. But welcome, no. this is Split the Screen, the greatest uh, video game podcast uh, in the world. In fact, I think it's the best podcast in the world, definitely of 2021. And obviously oh, we need who? to... Um, you don't know him. Oh, yeah, so okay. the best podcast. And uh, we just talk about video games, talk, talk shit. Um, normally, if this was a normal video game podcast or a normal Split the Screen podcast, we'd be chatting, then we'd talk about games we've been playing, which we're still going to do. Um, talk about the news because Ed, the the person over there, you might see, is all about the news, and also take questions. All about, all about the news makes the news. Now he just writes the news. I don't make it. No, yeah, that's when. Yeah, you should never be. That's a bad journalist if you end up making the news. Um, but yeah, we are going to be doing a very special podcast. This is the return. We are back every Thursday now from six p.m. and we're kicking it off with a slightly delayed Game of the Year podcast where we're going to go and organize, well, order our top 10 games combined um, and give, well, see which see which game can continue in the footsteps of Final Fantasy VII Remake, which we gave as uh, Game of the Year last year. We did. And we did. Do you, I mean, this, by the way, I don't, don't think I've properly introduced ourselves because it's been so long. I'm not can't, I'm not used to this, but I'm Biggest Benus or Benostrick, whatever you want to call me. I stream on Twitch and that's about it really mainly animal crossing but i can't make that game of the year i couldn't even make oh, it cool couldn't even make that animal crossing game of the year last year even though i tried uh but i'm number two it was close enough i'm with a very persuasive gentleman here uh who writes for euro gamer and that's me a future um you know booker prize writer ed nightingale is that what's the one with the the journalists get that booker prize Pulitzer, do you Pulitzer, mean? yes. The future Pulitzer know <laughs> winner. Really don't know about that. <laughs> aim high. Aim high, Ed. We'll see. Yeah. Yes. Ed Nightingale, Ed underscore Knights, um, games journalist, and also Twitch streamer now, which I wasn't when we last did the pod podcast. No, you weren't a Twitch. Were you a Twitch? I think, no. Mm -hmm. Not a Twitch streamer. No. And you weren't even uh Well, barely one now, but we'll see. You are. You are, but yeah, I mean, you've got a capture card now, thanks to Santa. So yeah. It's going to be streaming uh, Ocarina of Time, is it? I'm going to try at some point, yeah. Um, I had no idea. Ed was a novelist. Yeah. <laughs> Nobel Peace Prize in Literature or something like that, what it's called, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I, I try my best with diversity in games, but I don't know if it's quite Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> <laughs> Nobel Peace Prize uh, writer for, yeah. <laughs> I don't think they give that Nobel Prize even. Yeah, no prize. Um, but yeah, uh, so hey, we're going to no be prize, prize. talking very soon about the games that we've been playing, and then we're going to 
mix them up and and then try and work out what we want as our top 10. But yeah, first, if you want to follow us, we are on splitthescreen.com. Go to splitthescreen.com. You can find us on uh, Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, which is what I've been told it's called. Um, and also if you've got any other kind of, um, if you're like Amazon Music Podcasts or whatever they're called or any other podcast app, just type in split the screen and you can find us and uh, give us a follow, give us a subscribe. It was Please. awesome seeing at the end of last year, people people it popping up saying like split the screen was the most watched podcast. Was it Gemma? Or somebody was like, yeah, it's the most watched podcast. You've listened to two minutes of it <laughs> this year. <laughs> your most watched, your most listened to podcast, a whole two minutes. <laughs> Amazing. We love to see it. Yeah. <laughs> even my, this wasn't even in my top five. Ugh. Or leave us a review if you want. Oh, it was Brenda. It's positive. It was the other mod. One of the other mods. Generic female mod, Brenda. <laughs> Two minutes of split screen. Yeah, now you can leave a review on Spotify and as well as uh, Apple iTunes thing. I, you know, and if you leave reviews, it gets pushed into like new and noteworthy. It helps the algorithm. Because I was on. So please do that. Yeah, <laughs> I was. I used to do a political uh, podcast a long time ago, and it got pushed into Apple's new and noteworthy. And we had like three thousand listens a month, just because it Something was. To aim uh, for. Yeah, just because we we asked people to give uh, jokey reviews, and so many people did that it ended up being like promoted by Apple. <laughs> ah, but yeah, so um, welcome everybody. Uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna be switching the screen. Switch the screen, yeah, so you can see what's uh, what's up. But you're going to see. Well, let me have a look. Uh, see, this is going to work. It's definitely going to work. Are you sharing our secret Google Doc? I'm sharing the secret Google Doc. Absolutely not. Oh yeah. Oh no. But then this is going to be confusing because then we'll pick the ones that we. Well, here we go. Here's the secret Google Doc surprise. Oh, no. Um, is everything is everything right with the Ed's? camera because i've messed it around a bit there we go oh, no no i've screwed it up now oh dear this is the worst for uh, anybody that's actually listening to this podcast there we are okay well this is this is the secret google doc so what we've done here is we've both made a list of the games that we have played this year that were released this year mm -hmm. uh i say this year i mean last year because it's now 2022 um so we have uh, made this list now checked it twice this is just stuff from 2021 and it's just stuff that we've played not necessarily finished i.e ben has probably not actually played that much of any of these um i've at least tried to complete most of the ones on my list so ben has 32 games on his list I th I and mm. i have 50 games on my list um it's got a bigger so dick. what we <laughs> What we're going to do is go through and pick out which of these we want to be considered mm -hmm. for our list uh, to create a shortlist. And from there, we will choose our top 10 in order. Are we allowed to veto any of the uh, other person's games? I don't want to give you that power. He'll <laughs> <laughs> uh, just veto it with words. Yeah. <clears throat> discussion. You finished almost a game per week. Well, you say finished. <laughs> yeah. Mario Golf? <laughs> Super Rush? Look, some some games I played enough of. If I was reviewing it, I played enough of it to have an opinion. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've got opinions on these games. Uh, ones I've actually finished is different. This year has been very bad for me finishing games. Um, I mean, most years are like that. But I think every time I've done my top 10 in the past, I've always finished every single game on there. 
except for Persona 5, which I loved. But I mean, like 30 hours in, I know what kind of game. I know what that game's like, and I enjoyed no, it. No, 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 you do not. <laughs> oh. Well, I'm sorry for putting it as You're sick. literally less than a third of the way through it. I know, but oh. Oh, it just went on and on and on. Bring it to Switch when I don't mind that. Um, we'll see. Who cares about finishing games, says Moni. Exactly, Moni. That's the attitude to have. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, I guess we'll just like throw one out and mm. we'll discuss it and we'll see what we think. Um, I mean, you've somewhat ruined this now because I've put mine in bold. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now everyone can see it. Well, we can... We can just like um, we can have like quick throwaway one like one all of them we'll mention but we're like if it's just like one sentence for example Hitman three I played the first level of it I absolutely loved it it's definitely more of the same Hitman cookie cutter kind of it it does everything it's meant to well it didn't uh, redef like redefine the wheel or whatever the phrase is um, so and I only did the first level and although I loved it it's going are you taking it off yeah oh yeah. I didn't know we were going to do it this way, but okay, sure. Do you, do you want to choose one that you're going to eliminate? No, I'd like mm. to keep an entire list of all the games I've played. But if you want to start a new one at the bottom, then go for it. Okay, I'll start one at the bottom. Well, <laughs> or, or we can copy them. Look, this is <laughs> all the people tuning in. Welcome, especially if you're listening to this on the podcast. Welcome, it's me editing a document. There we go. It's at the bottom as well, so you can, uh, you know. And then, yeah, Let, let's let's make people that obviously they didn't see this. If I make that, then the one at the bottom. It's like we should have actually talked about this before we started. We did. We said, let's do the Game of the Year podcast. Uh, why, is, why is it so delayed, Ed, by the way? Why are we doing it on the 6th of January, not the end of December? Um, well, there's this little thing going around called COVID. Oh, I've heard, of, heard it. of it. Yeah. I haven't even yeah. changed the stream title. That's how professional this is. And uh, wow. and how was how was COVID? The light, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Were you... Uh, were you hurt? Not, not too bad, to be fair. Uh, yeah. For me, I was lucky. It was, it was pretty mild. Um, but yeah, we we both had it and decided that we should probably not be streaming whilst ill, mm -hmm. um, and so we pushed it back until after Christmas, uh, which means now we can copy everyone else's lists. But we're yeah. not going to do that. Of course not. No. Um, but yeah, I think every, now everybody's getting COVID. It's become really popular. Yeah. Um, we do we need money. Trello says we need Moni on as a producer. Moni does more than enough in <laughs> producing this podcast. Uh, the Roz. Moni would be like the Roz to me, the Frasier, and you. No, I'm more like Bulldog. You're more like Frasier. You don't get any of these references, do you? No, I've got oh. no clue. Um, right. I am going to throw one out to talk about, mm -hmm. which is Resident Evil Village. Ooh. Now, I don't think Resident Evil Village is the best game of the year. I don't think it was necessarily the best Resident Evil game that there's been. But I do think that it is possibly the most memorable game of the year. Because it got you some um, great articles to write. It gave me a lot of great articles <laughs> to write. Um, I think it's it's a very inconsistent game. Um, I think that's the last act of it is just bullshit <laughs> uh, and, and a mess. But the first half of it is absolutely wonderful. That's every Resident Evil game. They're like every single. I don't. I mean, I've played what four of them. I know it's not as many. I know there's like twelve if you really want to count. But like of every one that I've played, and I've only been like four, they've always gone weird at the end. Yeah, 
I mean, that's typical. Mm. And the, the opening is always the better bit. Um, I do love that it has that like sort of uh, gothic horror vibe to it. And it takes all those typical things of vampires and ghosts and werewolves and puts a Resident Evil spin on it in a sort of scientific, oh no, we've injected a virus and that's why someone's a vampire or whatever else. Um, I really like that about it. I really like its atmosphere. I think it's camp as hell. Um, and it has a very sort of episodic structure to it, mm. which means that it has lots of very memorable moments. Um, the biggest of all, of course, being Lady Dimitrescu, everyone's favorite big, tall vampire lady. Um, and I think she was the most iconic bit of the game. And she wasn't even in it that much, but it was really fun, uh, you know, exploring her castle and having her chasing after you. And I really feel like 2021 was the year of Lady Dimitrescu. You know, she was announced or revealed in the announcement right at the start of the year. At the end of the year at the Game Awards, Maggie Robertson won Best Performance um, for playing the character. Um, throughout that, we've had so many memes and cosplays and like jokey things and different articles and takes. There's been so much this year about her. So I don't think Resident Evil Village itself is necessarily the best game. It's very good. It's not the most original game, but it's it's really well made. But I feel like if we're, if we're thinking about, I mean, we haven't talked about criteria massively about, you know, what's the criteria to be in the top 10, but I think one thing is is what is memorable mm. about, about I mean, a particular enjoyable. Game. I mean, it is a game, and enjoyable, and I mean, it is technically it's a horror game, even though it might not have been you know jump scares all the time like some of these uh, indie ones are. But it it was just it was an enjoyable game, and I don't normally like horror games, and I enjoyed it. I think it's, like it's a thrill ride, yeah, more than anything. We're not um, we're not Polygon. We're it, not going for or Euro game. We're not going for like a kind of a, a you know weird and wonderful you know it doesn't need to break well, the mold one of us is. i'm you know far cry 6 game of the year that's all i'm gonna say it's no. fun no it's just, that, that would be something do you not think the um, first uh the first criteria should be that it's fun well i mean i'm not necessarily putting specific criteria out there but i will make the point that i think the games in this list need to be memorable they need to be the games that we look back at 2021 and think what are the games that really, that you just remember? You know, for me, 2020, as much as we only gave it number two, 2020 is the game of Animal Crossing because everyone was in lockdown, everyone was playing it. That's what was memorable. And for me, in a similar way, 2021 is the game that everyone was talking about being stepped on. So for that reason, I think Resident Evil Village deserves to be on the list. So Gemma, who writes um, Filth, says her everyone's obsession with lady d paid for two trips to the uk this year for me excellent there you go <laughs> perfect <laughs> um all right so i think that's i think that's uh, a lock-in for top 10 fine all right do you want to put it in because uh, you you can edit this can't you i think you actually made it yes it's <laughs> so my yes. document well done <laughs> it's your document so if you like maybe you want to put it at the top or something and then, um, and I'll delete it on mine as well, because it was, yeah, that was another game that I played and loved. Well, why don't we literally do that? There we go. And I'll delete it on mine. All right. Um, so another game that I'm going to mention and get rid of, because uh, I don't think it is top 10, Little Nightmares 2. 
similar to Hitman 3, it's just more Little Nightmares. Hitman, Little Nightmares 1 was great. Little Nightmares 2 is cool. Kind of um, uh, mutilation porn. Little Nightmares, you know, they love their gore and their darkness and not that kind of... Yeah, maybe I'll rephrase it's that. Got children in it, Ben. Come on. But there's like mutilated bodies and gore and grossness. But it's also in like a spooky setting. It's not really... Yeah, it's not typical horror, but there are bits where you do get chased and there's some spooky bits. It's very cool. It knows what it wants, but it's just more Little Nightmares. It didn't do anything that I... I mean, I loved Little Nightmares 1. I thought that was really enjoyable. Uh, and Little Nightmares 2 is more of the same. So that's a no then. Yeah. Do you, want, do you want to put one out that you actually liked and then we can talk about that? All right then. Um, I mean, that's what we're here for, the top games, not the worst. Ooh, I'm going to mention... Forza Horizon 5. Okay. It's a racing game for people that don't like racing games. I've seen that being mooted around everywhere and I completely agree with them. I love I love a racing game. If, if there's a good racing game out that's getting reviewed well, I'll probably buy it just to play it and, and see what it's like because I do enjoy them quite a lot. Ever since Grid 2. And this is more open world Forza and it does everything perfectly. The, the stunning. There are like... It's just one of those games that you can kind of turn on and play for 20 minutes or 10 hours. And you can find all stuff to do, whatever whatever you're playing, whether it's a random online group that you want to join with. You've got friends that you can just tune in with. Or you can go, you know what? I've got 20 minutes. I want to try and beat my top speed on this one section of the road, which is going to be, it's going to have like the um, the camera flash for, uh, you know, for speeding and, and try and improve on that time. You can literally do whatever you want. And there are just so many of these. I mean, there's a career mode, which I've done a fair bit with, but not too much. But there are these accolades. And I've done like all of the beginner accolades where it's like get three stars or two stars or complete or win these specific races in this specific place. Um, and so there was like 35 accolades in this first starter area. And then I looked and there's like another 10, 20 areas uh, with all, all with like 30 or 40 accolades in there. So, and they're quite easy to like knock off. So it's just, it's one of those really chilled, easy games where you you know how to drive a car. It's not a simulation. It's just you know pull the trigger, pull the uh, trigger, pull the accelerator, go race it, and like the customization as well is just wild. But also, it's free if you've got Game Pass. Free in inverted commas. Yeah, it's included I, in Game Pass. There you go. I'm also not. I like. I'm not a car racing game kind of guy like I, I just gran turismo all that kind of stuff i just yes. don't find it fun oh. it just it, i just find it really boring why do you want to learn to drive a car virtually when you could just drive a car well i'm looking forward to the game of the year podcast next year when <laughs> gt7 is out it will not be included it will that be included. said there is something very fun about forza it's very arcadey um and just generally fun and very accessible um, and I think they have really tried to make it a game for everyone. And you can see that in things like um, the fact that the start, it asks you for your pronouns and they include they, them pronouns. The fact that the um, character creator in it is, is really nicely diverse and it includes prosthetic limbs for disabled people. And the fact that the game as a whole um, is really accessible. It's got some really great accessibility options in it. And they're also going to be including... Um, sign language in it, which is the first game ever to have sign language in it. Um, so I think for that reason, I mean, th th you can see that they've really tried to make it a racing game that everyone can have access to in some way, which is great. 
it's not necessarily my thing. I enjoyed the couple of hours I put into it. Um, I am happy for you to include it here if you wish. It's yeah. not something that I'm super excited about, but I appreciate why people like it. I think it is the best racing game ever released. Um, I mean, the way that games goes, this will just be constantly beaten by probably by uh, and yeah. future Forza games or maybe future G, uh, Gran Turismo games. But it's definitely, um, yeah, the best one out there. And it's the closest, it's the most fun I've had since uh, playing um, Grid, the original Grid. with, uh, And that was, just, I had the most fun of that playing online. So hardcore mode, because it was like a battle royale of racing. There would be like a 10 minute race. And if you managed to get away, have a clean start, the people at the back would end up just like smashing and crashing into each other. But yeah, a lot of the, with Grid, it had a lot of kind of realistic damage. So the cars would be like totaled and they'd, quit and they'd have to go it was great fun but this is um yeah no this is also pretty awesome um shove it up there i will um devil beans in the chat saying uh why not um <laughs> why not ghost of sushima uh, because this is the game of the year 2021 uh and that came out in 2020 well the director's cut came out oh if we included director's cut can i put death stranding on there well look i have both of those on director's cuts on my list in the oh, 50 that I've played. Oh, I didn't even see it. <laughs> neither of which I think are worthy of top 10. Um, I I mean, for me, the director's cut of Death Stranding is one of my favorite games of the year, but I don't think we should put games that are just a it's little a bit extra. A At the end of the yeah. day, you associate it with last or previous years. So, yeah. no. I'm I'm vetoing re-releases. Yeah, that, I don't think re-releases count. Does that would that include Pokemon Brilliant Diamond Pearl? That's a remaster. Mm, uh, sorry, remake. Remake. Yeah, so that would that would get included. Sure. Well, I'd said it. So, well, why did I put Jurassic World Evolution up there by mistake? <laughs> oh, well done. Ah, uh, it had well, a number at the end. That, I am going to throw out Monster Hunter Rise. Oh, but Resident, yeah, but Final Fantasy VII Remake won it because it was a remake. You're throwing it out as in you want to get rid of it or you want to talk about it? To, to, to add to the list. Okay. We're being positive here, Ben. We're not, we're not just slating things. Oh. Um, Monster Hunter Rise, I think, well, I, I don't want to say it's the best Monster Hunter game because I haven't played that many in the rest of the series. I say that many. I've played World and that's it. And from what I understand, World was generally considered the best in the series or the pinnacle of the series to that point. And I personally think that Rise is better than World, mainly because it's smaller and it's shorter and it's quicker. It's just a lot more accessible. The missions uh, are easier, but in a nice way that you can just dip in and out of it. Um, the menus seem to, be, seem to have been cleaned up a bit. So it feels like it's just a much easier game to get into. It's not revolutionizing the series. Um, but that whole formula of killing monsters, skinning them, wearing them is just kind of irresistible. And I think this is the best version of that formula. From, Can't wait for Pokemon to start that formula now. Exactly. Um, I think I, I was kind of obsessed with it for about two weeks and then I haven't played it the rest of the year. So I don't think it's quite had the longevity that other games on this list have, but I think that it's a really, really solid monster hunter game um that is really good fun to play with friends and just a really strong switch game it runs so well on the yeah. switch um makes great use of the hardware 
um, I think it's one of the best Switch games of the year. You're, you took the words from me exactly the same. I agree with the same. Yeah, way it's better than World, and I enjoyed World, but I fell off it uh, after beating the giant thing. And Rise just seemed... giant thing. There were quite a lot of giant. The really the one they had to like shoot cannons at. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that one. I uh, I fell off it a bit then, and because there was just lots of traveling in World, whereas this the maps are smaller, um, but they're also really fun to get around. I mean, we forgot we haven't mentioned the grappling hook, which is incredible. The wire bugs, that's it. Is it the wire bugs? I thought yeah. that's a weapon, isn't it? Oh, no, it's the wire bugs that you use to travel around. Yeah, pretty much like a grappling hook. That's, that. I mean, that changed. <laughs> that's changed. I could not go and play World now without those wire bugs. It's, yeah, it's brilliant. And it seems like, the, I mean, obviously, we're not, we haven't played it yet because it's not come out yet, but the DLC looks pretty chunky as well. Um, yeah, that's coming out this year. It's a, quite a big expansion. Yeah. Um, and also, in a couple of weeks' time, the game is being released on PC. So if anyone hasn't played it on Switch, it will be coming to PC with probably improved graphics. I'm intrigued to see what that looks like. But yeah, no, I, I think that should be on our list. Done. Mm-mm. Let me move it. Are we going to pick another good... Should we, should we get rid of three each? Look. I've said this a million times. We're not getting rid of them. I'm just picking out the ones I like and adding them to the top to make a top. Well, it takes more than that. <laughs> I think... What do you want to add in, Ben? Pick, pick a I, game you liked. I liked... Mm, Life is Strange True Colors. An excellent choice. I think that was definitely the best Life is Strange game by far. Because I know seeing saying something is the best Life is Strange game isn't really saying it's amazing. Uh, but I, I really loved Life is Strange True Colors. I am delighted that I decided to give a middle finger to the DMCA uh, and just be like, you know what? I'm going to play the music. I don't care. I'll delete the VOD and just keep the... Well, I'll keep the VOD locally and, and delete it. I don't care. I'm a rebel like that. <laughs> and I, I absolutely loved... Um, yeah, Life is Strange True Colors. I thought the story was fantastic. It felt real. Uh, obviously, despite the weird bit that wasn't, you know, the supernatural stuff, but the the characters felt real. The relations between them, the music was stunning. I just I love a game as well that doesn't rush through it and just allows you to take a breather and sit back and relax. Kind of a slice of life video game. The representation was, as always, with Life is Strange, brilliant. Um, and I, I just, I really like the characters in this because in the past ones have annoyed the shit out of me, like Chloe, uh, really didn't like Chloe. Let's say the end of Life is Strange, I've said this before, but the end of Life is Strange 1 was a very easy decision for me. Um, whereas with this one, they all, everyone just seemed really nice, um, really, yeah, personable. And I just, oh, I also need to play the DLC because that came out like a week after the game did. It's weirdly enough. Yep. Um, yeah, and thanks, by the way, to Square Enix. They got me a, a free copy to play. <laughs> Shout out. Yeah, so I, but it's not making me biased because I just I generally thought it was a brilliant, brilliant game. I think you're right about having moments of pause because it's got those Zen moments where you mm. just sit and the music plays and the music is really beautifully done. It's a great soundtrack. Um, but yeah, it just gives you a moment to just reflect on the decisions you've made and, and what's happened in the story. And it can be quite heavy at times. Um, so it's really nice to, to have those little moments. For me, that they're the bits that really stood out when I played it. 
Um, I bounced off the first Life is Strange pretty quickly and wasn't a big fan of what they were trying to do. I just found it a bit sort of teen angsty. And this is still teen angsty, but I feel like there's a real step up in quality from the performance capture that they've done. It feels a lot more cinematic, like you are genuinely playing through a film, but a film with really good representation, great soundtrack. Um, and that LARP chapter in the middle was amazing um, mm. with the role-playing stuff. So, yeah, I feel like that absolutely has to be in our top 10. Yeah. One of the best story games of the year. I know. it's um, Yeah, it's right up there for me as well. So let's put Life is Strange, True Colors. And I'm going to eliminate some because this makes it a lot, it makes it a lot easier than because then I'll end up missing ones. I thought Biomutant was incredibly disappointing um, and it made me... Gave me a headache. I don't know what was the... I was playing the game and every time I played it, I felt a little bit sick and it gave me a headache. I think I'm just allergic to furries. Uh, but it was it was a game that had big aspirations, but they wanted... But then they tried too much and it just didn't feel fun to play. So yeah, no to buy a mutant. Agreed. It was shit. If we're getting rid of remasters, but keeping remakes, would Mass Effect Legendary Edition be a remaster or a remake? remaster but would would that then be banned from the top 10 yes well there I, not even not, no discussion about just it saying yes get rid of it wow it's a it, it's a very good one to play legendary edition you should play it it is uh skyward sword hd is that remaster remake that's a remaster did you like it nope <laughs> so it's not in the top 10 all right then nope. uh why didn't you stream it i'm sure everybody would want to see you playing like this with your uh Money did it first. I couldn't possibly repeat that content. Yeah, that's true. Um, now, you played... We both played 12 Minutes. What did you think of that? 12 Minutes is a really interesting concept that is incredibly misogynistic and just horrible to play with a horrible twist, and I do not recommend it at all. Totally forgot the twist already. Um, oh, no, no, that twist. That, yeah. But like, apart from the bit where you have to literally like drug your wife so you can do stuff. The bit you have to drug your wife and then repeatedly do that every <laughs> single time you do the loop. Yeah, lovely. Really if, pleasant. But if they'd removed that, I, I like I like a puzzle game and I like working out. I, I love the concept of 12 minutes. Yeah, just certain bits kind of rub me up the wrong way. Because you could literally murder your wife. You could kill your... You could stab your pregnant wife, couldn't you? There's just, you could do a lot of horrible things in that game. Mm. And I, I like the concept of it's a loop and you have to work your way out of it. Mm. But literally like forcing you to do really, really horrible things is, uh, is just not, it's just not it. Yeah. Uh, Gemma says like the twist is super questionable and I write filth. Yeah. The twist, normally when it's a twist, it's like, wow, that twist was like, uh, it just yeah. felt weird. And also, it felt really un like, yeah. It felt unbelievable, but also grossly unbelievable. So it's, yeah. You want it to be like, oh wow, oh my god, that's just, like that's shocking. But also, you can see how that would happen. Whereas this just feels like it's trying to shock you for no reason. But yeah, it was I, awful. Give me, do another, do a, a do a thirteen minutes, but just make it less filth. But I, I like, I enjoyed the kind of the very short twelve minutes of loop and trying to do this stuff. If if it was, you know, you go. You wake up and there's a murder or something, and then you're trying to solve it like that. Do just do a different subject, because I, I enjoyed the concept and I enjoyed the gameplay of it. It's just 
weirdly questionable. On. I'm not talking about that shit anymore. <laughs> wow. Right, let me go and... Uh, right, give us a game then while I go and get rid of a few of these. Right. I am going to throw out a game that I know you hate, mm-hmm. but in all honesty, could well be my number one of the year. Pokemon Snap. No. Oh. It's Returnal. Mm. Now, I know you don't like it, I think personally it is the most interesting and ambitious game of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it has an atmosphere that no other game has quite managed. Um, and I think it's a really interesting twist on gameplay. Um, it's taking the roguelike genre, which has been very popular in indie games right up to, and massively including Hades Um but it's it's a, a much bigger studio with a lot more money doing that in full 3D um, with this looping structure. It's an incredibly difficult game. It's a game where everything is out to get you. Um, you are very much isolated on an alien planet um, and it's just brutally hard. Um, and you're meant to feel like that. And it does a great job of doing that through its gameplay and through uh through its atmosphere which i think is wonderful um but i also think the structure of it is really interesting the way it sort of weaves in elements of metroidvania in there so yes it's got this looping structure and it means that every time you play through the game it's it's randomized it's slightly different the the structure of the levels is different the the weapons and things you get are slightly different every time but then it weaves in this metroidvania of you collect upgrades which allow you to find shortcuts in the world um, and and open up new routes that you hadn't seen before. And that first level you do so many times, but every time you do it, it's always slightly different and you uncover new things as you explore. And that level alone is amazing. Um, It's incredibly difficult. It makes great use of the PlayStation 5. It's a great showcase for it. It looks stunning. It makes great use of the controller. So it feels very much like a sort of next gen game. Um, you know, yeah, as, from a technical standpoint, it's it's a really brilliant game. And I think in terms of its structure and its gameplay, it's doing really interesting things. It's just, it's really difficult. And I think that puts a lot of people off. Um, and I can understand why, because I still haven't even finished it. I can't get past the third level. The boss is an asshole and I cannot do it. And it's really infuriating me, but I still can't stop thinking about that game. I feel utterly drawn to it, even though it's so difficult. And I'm finding it really hard to get through it. I just can't help but love it. And I know that's a lot of that is personal taste, just in terms of atmosphere. But it's just that's what the, it that's what feels the, so good to play. That's what this list is: is personal space, a uh, personal taste. And I know that's why you didn't like it. But for me, yeah. I just, I just think it feels so good to play, and it's the most ambitious and unique and interesting game of the year. And it's got a fucking awful fan base. It really does. Oh my god. Oh, I don't, don't include me in that. (laughs) I don't read that shit. It is really difficult. And there's a lot of people that would maybe see that and play it or maybe buy it and then go, well, this is like not accessible to me. Um, Mm. And And I see that. I played it. I enjoy, I thought the controls were fantastic. Uh, Yeah, it looked, everything you said about it, I agree with, but also is one of the reasons why I don't like it is that it's so difficult. And also like you do a run. Okay, I I understand, and I quite like games where 
I, I, do, I don't have a problem with roguelikes where you're repeating the same thing again and again, as long as I'm making some kind of uh, progression. Whereas with this, or if it's not too difficult to get to where I was before, or if I'm going to have a better chance the next time, uh, or a much better chance of doing of uh, completing a boss or beating a boss or whatever the next time, for example, like in Hades. But I just feel with this one, each time I'm like, well, what did I actually get the last run? I didn't really get anything extra special. And I could then end up playing another run for three hours because that's how much you can play. Well, I think if you get to like the end of it, it could be even longer. You can do like one of these really long runs for four whatever hours, die, and then you've got to redo it again. And Pretty you much. hadn't... Yeah. Like, I just feel like a game such as that, if you're, if, they're going, if you're going to give it four hours of your time, I want to receive something. Whereas maybe even it's something like a bit of extra health or a bit of, to have some kind of progression. I just did not, I mean, when it comes to accessibility, there's zero of it in there. I mean, you know, remapping a few buttons doesn't count um, when the majority of people are going to play that and not get past, I could, I didn't even get to the first boss and I played it for a, an hour or two. Um, and it was, yeah. You yeah. need a lot more time than that to get there. Yeah. So it's, I mean, what it's, you get yeah. is practice at, at defeating things. You get better at it. And once you've got over certain bosses you well each boss gives you an ability that allows you to create shortcuts mm -hmm. so actually when you get once you've got to the third level you can actually skip the second level entirely when you start again because you can skip from level one to three so you're not actually doing the whole game every time okay so that's why i think the structure is really interesting because it kind of opens up in different ways um and <laughs> you know it, it it forms different paths that you can go through mm -hmm. um and yeah, you know, yeah, some people don't get better with practice. They you Hello. have a run where, <laughs> you know, I might have a run where I do really well. The next one, I just screw up really early. I think for me, I just think it controls really well that it's still, even when I fuck up, I still enjoy playing it because it feels fun. Um, and when you do get those those hurdles, you get over. They do. There's a bigger impact. There's a there is a big impact when you get over those boss hurdles that the game opens up. And I think until you've got to that point, that probably doesn't, you probably don't quite get that. Um, mm. If you haven't got past that first boss to understand how things open up. Um, but I, you know, I, you I've, do definitely improve, but it requires some patience. I still feel like that when it comes to games that are really difficult. I have no problem with really difficult games. Something like Dark Souls, um, you can, you can be like, okay, well, I've, I'm playing this game, but I'm getting like one shot by this person. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to grind it a little bit, put some points in the defense or whatever it is. Uh, Neo was great for this. Um, so you can grind to make it a little bit easier for you. If you were, you know, you're going to put your, yeah, I want to put some extra time into this game just to make it a bit easier for me. I feel like that there's no issue with it. Sekiro, unfortunately, didn't really have that. I think you have to complete some side bosses to to get anything, uh, you know, any like permanent uh, benefits. But yeah, when it came to... Um, Returnal, it just feels like they're not. I don't know. It didn't feel like it was rewarding me for the time that I'm putting into it, and that's why I fell off it quite quickly. As tight and fun as those controls were, it just felt a bit unfair. Yeah. I I can see that, and I appreciate why people would fall off it, and I appreciate that it doesn't have the accessibility options to allow people to get into it more. So, as a negative, I see that. Mm. I think for me, I just I love how it controls. I love the look of it, the feel of it. It's so, everything about it is so alien. And I just yeah. really love that kind of alien sci-fi vibe of it. That for me, I just really clicked with it. And it's, 
I fell in love with it and can't stop thinking about it, even though I'm nowhere near finishing it. It's a game that I will keep playing again and again and again on a loop. Yeah, I agree with the on a loop. I see what you did there. Um, I agree with the, yeah, Halunki's like, it should always have options. It doesn't hurt anyone. Exactly. I agree. And I know Halunki yeah. loves his Dark Souls, loves Returnal, loves really difficult games. Um, I've, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse when I'm repeating this all the time, but there are games like Celeste. Even Cuphead has an assist mode. I know you can't really progress, can you, without the assist mode, but that will just let you help you either get better or help it or make it easier for you. And it doesn't take away from the core experience of those that want to play purely on the standard mode. And I feel like we're going to get to a point in the future where it's going to be, you you must make the game, you must make, if you don't want to be criticized, you should make a game that pretty much anyone can enjoy. Or can, it's not going to be, people are not going to be shut out of playing it. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. All right. So, so what we're saying is we're adding it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, um, I mean, like I said, what I played of it was really good. It just wasn't my kind of thing. And I know things like some of these, some of my, like my opinions of that would piss off so many people. Like somebody, because what was it that was, there was a news story quite recently and some, and some, it, I don't know, it was about, some, oh, it was about them making a save because now you can, Put it in standby mode, is it? Or you can suspend it, yeah. And can you save it as well during a run once? Yes, suspend it. Yes. Oh, is that what it's called? I thought you meant like put yeah. the PlayStation in <laughs> suspend mode. Okay. Yeah, so you can do that whereas before you couldn't. And then someone added it, and then there was people saying like how it made it too easy. And then someone was like, Well, I, I played it for an hour and I didn't like it. And someone's like, You just gotta keep going, you gotta keep pressing into it, and uh, all these weak gamers and mm, Yeah, ignore those people. Gatekeepers. I'm, I'm not I love the game. I'm not trying to be one of them, like right. saying, no, like, yes, it would be great to have more accessibility options in there. And I appreciate that that's why a lot of people maybe bounced off it. Um, I'm just saying that for me, I really love the vibe of it and the atmosphere. It's just, it just really clicked with me. And I think from a technical point of view, I think it's incredibly well made and it has a really interesting structure to it that not a lot of other games this year for me have matched. And I think it goes also it goes back to me to my kind of hatred of having to repeat areas to get to where I was before. Like Dark Souls is okay for that. Um, but you if I have to if I if I clear out what's it, 20 enemies and then I find a boss and then the boss kills me, and I have to then go and clear out those 20 enemies again to get to that boss, I you know, I drop off it so fast. I think that's one of the reasons why I love Celeste, actually, because it just literally takes you to the very beginning of that screen like it doesn't even move anything it's just okay go again go again keep trying keep trying uh, that's what i much more enjoy agreed all right uh, but we'll keep that in there are there any that you want to get rid of that you don't think will be in the top 10 how many times are you going to ask me that um well until you get rid of all your like five thousand games that you've got on I'm here not do- well, that's why i'm not going to go through all of them D. because we'll waste about three hours of me saying this was shit this was shit this was shit balan wonderworld no. Was that shit? That was the worst game of the year. Wow, okay, there we go. Get, okay, worst game of the year, Balan Wonderworld? Yes. Um, Haven? Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury, does that count? Because it's weirdly a remake. Well, Bowser's Fury is new, but 3D World was a very polished remake. Um, well, they didn't really do a lot with 3D World. Bowser's Fury is, a, is an entire thing that should be considered on its own. Mm. 
I don't think it'll be top 10, but I, I really enjoy Bowser's Fury. In fact, I went, because I, I did a launch stream of it and I, I didn't play the 3D world because I'd already played it a fair bit um, on, was it Wii U? Oh, no. 3DS. What's 3D world on? No, I said, was it on oh, Wii, Wii U? Oh, you what it was on. It was on Wii U. Wii U, I said Wii U, and you're like, no. I, I thought you said it was with you. I was like, no, no. I not play with you. <laughs> no, not Wii U. No, the Wii U for 3D World. Um, but yeah, no, I played Bowser's Fury, and I literally just only played Bowser's Fury, because it was uh, it was so much fun. And mm-hmm. I wonder if that's a little taster of a future Mario game. Will we get any more Mario things? Quite possibly. Year? But yeah, do we think it's a top 10 game? No. Um, okay, Persona Five Strikers, which is on—is that already on? Uh, game on PS Plus, PS Plus this month. This month, it is. Um, Persona Five Strikers is brilliant. If you are a fan of Persona Five, mm-hmm. it continues the story. Um, it has its own battle system, which has um, the sort of warriors Muzu style battle, um, which is really well done. It's really fun. It's the way it integrates that with the existing sort of Persona 5 style stuff that you, if you've played it, know and love, um, is really, really well done. Um, but for me, I, I, I don't think it's as good as Persona 5 itself. I mean, Persona um, 5 was one of the best games of the year. Do you think It really is. I mean, I've not played it. Do you think it's worthy of top 10? I don't think it's worthy of top 10, but I think if you're a fan of Persona 5, you absolutely have to play that game. And you said it's a sequel, so it you need to have finished Persona Five to play it. Yes. Okay. Um, I really want to remove new Pokemon Snap because I thought it was boring as shit. Um, you literally sit on a kind of roller coaster ride. It's not even a roller coaster ride. It's like sitting in a, you know, one of these safari in middle of the city kind of safaris that just stick you on a little, uh, uh, like little tractor a little train and it slowly goes through an area and then you're meant to take photos and then it repeats and repeats and repeats oh it was so boring pokemon snap is a game for pokemon lovers and if you love pokemon it's a 10 out of 10 amazing game if you hate it it's like a one out of 10 i mean i just hate it's just really extreme i mean i really like pokemon but i weirdly sit in the middle somewhere I, i can appreciate why someone might like it um if you want something that's like really relaxing and just you know it allows you to see pokemon in a new way and i think that's the best that pokemon has looked at least um and i also can see how they have expanded the gameplay of it compared to the n64 one which i didn't play myself but heard was quite limited and i can see why they've really expanded on it with that uh, with the new one um so i can appreciate that but i also feel like it's still kind of limited and that if you're not a fan of Pokemon, you're just not going to get drawn in. It's for people who like to go on the It's a Small World ride over and over and over again at Disney. Because I might actually see something different the second time. There you go. Um, nostalgia I'm banana. I'm happy to not have that in. Me too, very. Um, it's meant to be like wildlife photography. Oh, now that's a good game. Wildlife photography. But... Even then, they wouldn't put you on a, on rails. Just let you walk around and take pictures. That would have been great if they'd let you kind of freely move around and take pictures of things happening. Do that. Uh, Yuffie goes on Small World over and over at Disney. Sounds like Yuffie enjoyed Pokemon <laughs> Snap. Okay. Um, uh, tell me one... All right, then I played a bit of Metroid Dread. Go on, get that one out of the way. 
get it out of the way. Just because it's another alien space game that you don't like. And With zero accessibility and... Again, yes, it's difficult. Zero accessibility. It's it, In a lot of ways, I actually feel like Returnal would make a great Metroid game. If you swapped out Selene for Samus and put Samus on a weird alien planet that is looping, Returnal would be a great Metroid game. Mm. Um, Metroid Dread is the first new Metroid game in 19 years. And I think that has colored a lot of opinion about it probably myself included in that there are people who really love the series and have been longing for a new game for a really really long time and they've now finally got a new game in the series and it's brought back a lot of nostalgia for people it's a really really solid polished well-made metroid game um and it it's re-establishing the the series for 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 people that have maybe played a lot of metroidvanias as a genre which is really big in the indie space um but metroid did it first and it's now sort of coming back to re-establish dominance in that area i think it's really really well done um i think it's got a nice twist with the emmys which are these robots that can't be killed um until certain points and so you basically have to run away and it's almost like a sort of stalker em- enemy that you'd have in like a resident evil game you know like lady dimitres stalking you through the um through her mansion and can't be killed it has a similar kind of vibe of being stalked um which adds a nice change of pace compared to the more uh slower exploration but samus feels quicker than ever um it's super smooth um i don't think it's as iconic um, and as memorable as maybe previous games in the series. Um, for me, like Super Metroid is still my favorite Met- uh, Metroid game. Um, but I think it's really, really well done. And for me, again, it's a personal opinion. For me personally, it really hits that nostalgia nerve of this is a really old Nintendo series come back and done in a really, really, really well done way. Um, if you're not a fan of Metroid, I can see again why it might seem impenetrable. But as a fan, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan. Like, I'm not a Metroid fan. I don't particularly like Metroidvania games. So I'll let you speak about that. Um, it, I've got to say, because I did play it for an hour or so, and I didn't die too much. Um, I thought it looked beautiful on the OLED switch. I was just going to add, it came out at the same time as the OLED. So it's sort of seen as a bit of a showcase. And I think that it really shows the contrast of the screen. There are so many dark areas and flashes of lights and things like that in, in the in the world and the graphics that do very much come to life on the OLED. I think because you love that so much, well, I don't know to you, but I, I, I would be okay with that being in the top 10. I mean, it would probably be my number two behind Returnal. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, the, like, I love how your top two games are two that I really don't like. So it's going to make it really interesting at the end of this podcast. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, however, my top two are probably two that you like. So we'll see. Maybe I'll sure. get my way. All right. Let's. All right. What did you like then? I liked. Uh, I really like many games this year. That's another thing. This year, full of terrible games. That's it, a lie. Was it the Was it the Guardian that said that? That uh... it's not full of this year. Okay, twenty twenty one has not been a bad year for games. There are so many games out there that have been made that are amazing and yes maybe you just played the wrong ones the the issue is that there's not one particular game that stands out above everything else but 
I don't know. Of all the games that I've played, I looked at them all. There's not a single game that I would say, you know, that's definitely a 10 out of 10. Whereas in the past, thing like Final Fantasy VII Remake But there have been is a 10 so many 8s and 9s, that doesn't make it a bad year for gaming. No, just nothing that was memorable for me. I'll forget this year. Um, right, pick a game. I want to talk about... Um, let's go for Eastwood. Have you played Eastwood? I finished Eastwood. Did, Did you, you finish it? Of course I finished it. Oh, you reviewed it, didn't you? Um, I played it until like the second act, which is what? Quite a few hours in. Um, yeah, It's a lot longer than you think it's going to be. Yeah. It's a good at least 30 hours, I'd say. That's always what you want. And I, I enjoyed uh, what I played of Eastwood. I think it looked stunning. It, the combat in it was a lot of fun. The It was all hand-drawn, wasn't it? Um, or it was maybe. The style of it, it was... It has that style anyway. Yeah. I really liked the interaction with the characters. They all felt real. It was, you know, it's a very traditional 2D kind of... I don't even know what you... How would you even describe it? Like an RPG? It's not, not an RPG. It's just a, an adventure game. It's an action RPG because it's... it's uh, it's very much emulating the Zelda series mm, yeah. in, its, in, its, in its feel, its combat, its puzzles. Um, it's going for that old top-down Zelda vibe. Yeah. But it's kind of that meets Studio Ghibli. Yeah. And, and I think... What I played of it, I really enjoyed. What did you think of it? I really enjoyed it. It was a game I was very much looking forward to. I really wanted to love. Um, I didn't quite love it as much as... I wanted to and I think that's partly because the story I found a little bit meandering um in terms like I say it, it's it's aping the Zelda style but what it doesn't copy is the Zelda structure of like right you need to complete these six temples to collect the six medallions or whatever it's not that it kind of just goes on its own journey it feels in that sense like an anime that is a game um, and in a lot of ways, that's really refreshing. But for me, I sort of, I found the story a little bit difficult to follow. I wasn't necessarily clear on like, who's the villain? What, what's my ultimate aim that I'm trying to do here? I think that it felt a little bit convoluted at times in a way that sometimes I feel anime can. Um, but at the same time, that was also refreshing. So the story didn't quite have the payoff I wanted but I absolutely loved the vibe and the style of it. I thought the puzzles were clever. The world design was really beautiful. Um, so I appreciated that aspect of it. Yeah. I I didn't play enough of it, but I got to an area that seemed interesting. It was, yeah, I didn't dislike my time with it. It seemed very chilled. Um, it was quite slowly paced, but also kept me interested in it as well. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's top 10, do you? Um, I would put it at the lower end of the top 10. Okay, we can, uh, yeah, I mean, we're not and we look, We're going to have overloaded. to eliminate some at some point, so. Yeah, we'll put that up there. All right, well, let's see. Let's go for one that we both, I know we both enjoyed, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, probably the biggest surprise of the year. Yeah, I didn't, ex because this was... Square Enix, who also have yep. released, I don't know if it's the same publisher, uh, same, uh, um, I guess it wasn't the same dev that did Marvel's Avengers. Um, I don't think so. This was Ados Montreal. Okay. Um, I'm not sure exactly which dev did Avengers. I I wouldn't be surprised if this started as Avengers DLC and got its own spin-off. Yeah. I mean, they did, they took everything that was bad about the Avengers out and 
added a bunch of extra things that were great. And obviously the Avengers had uh, had like some kind of weird, um, well, it had, didn't it have a battle pass? Like it had battle passes for each of the characters. Um, and then obviously like it had his you know, specific DLC for Spider-Man or the character of Spider-Man you could only play on the PlayStation. It just rubbed up so many people the wrong way with all the weird uh, microtransactions. Uh, whereas Guardians of the Galaxy is just a solid kind of Jedi Fallen Order-esque game where it's a full, fully-fledged story. No added DLC or extra things that you need to buy. Everything is there when you buy it. It's an, for So far, I'm only like five chapters in. Like I've, There's so many games that I've played a fair bit of but not finished, and this is one of them. And I will finish this game because I absolutely loved it. Um, fortunately, I went home for two weeks and was out of uh, away from my PlayStation that I'm playing it on for two weeks, so I didn't get to finish it. But it's... Yeah, I, I, I thought the writing is brilliant. The voice acting um, between the characters, just it's just so natural and they interact with what you're doing and like, yeah, with the scenery, they'll talk about, they'll bring up uh, quotes and it's just, it just feels like a game. Like a lot of the time when he's playing, especially an RPG, it can be lonely, it can be quiet, it can be, yeah, there's, there's moments where it's, you know, you, you appreciate the solitude, but with this, it's like watching a movie and, and that's why I like, playing it in short chunks as well because you're just overloaded with all well not just story but people like the characters in there Groot and whatever interacting with each other that it feels like a, a like a movie slash tv series that you can just tune in and play for an hour enjoy it find it funny uh kind of shoot things because it, i mean it plays really well um and and like yeah that is kind of pure fast food video game just enjoy it, consume it, and the it's music. It's one of those games where everybody is constantly talking, and yet somehow it doesn't feel annoying. Yeah, no like one's the banter annoying. between them feels just like it's a group of friends chatting, and that feels really natural, which is really nice. Um, I think it's one of those games where if you break it down, it's incredibly unoriginal. It's pilfering from so many other games. Um, the combat is really simple. Um, it's it's not doing anything particularly new or innovative mm. and yet it all comes together in a way that just feels fun yeah um it's not i don't think it has the polish it deserves i think it's a game that was made on a bit of a middling budget and had it had a bigger budget it could have been more expansive it maybe wouldn't have as many bugs because it is quite buggy which is disappointing um and i think I'm hoping now that the devs of this team have sort of proven their worth that they can do a really strong game. And a lot of that is because of the writing. Um, it's been nominated for a lot of writing and story or narrative awards. And the, the writing is just surprisingly well done. And I don't want to talk about the story too much because you said you haven't finished it, mm. but the characters feel really well fleshed out and the themes of it feel surprisingly deep for a game that is a sort of popcorn-y action film superhero thing. You know, it is, it's a game ultimately for me, it's a game about family. Um, it's, and, and in that sense, I actually think it's pretty queer, even though it's no one in the, in, in the game is explicitly LGBT plus. It's a game about a sort of group of misfits who are, you know, pushed out of their own societies, who band together as a found family against a load of religious zealots who are trying to convert people like to me that sounds pretty gay um but 
it it's just the characters feel so believable and it's it's really it's really well written um in a way that i think nobody really expected so it's not like the best or most original game necessarily but i think it's really surprised people on how good it still is just as a really fun piece of popcorn entertainment yeah perfect and i actually thought yeah it was I, yeah, you say it's very easy. Like the controls, like the controls, are just really simple. I thought like getting certain um, like moves and special attacks for your colleague, for your for the people that you're playing with, because you can only control uh, Star Lord. You can only control him. So being able to on the fly just quickly use your uh, teammates to to use their special attacks, I felt like that was quite deep, and and it made it easy to use. I mean, I think they're simple and easy. I think this one was more like easy to use, despite being quite okay. I need, I need a bomb. Okay, I need. There's like six enemies together. Okay, I need to use rockets, bomb, uh, like grenade style thing. So there, there is some strategy in that. I, I really, I didn't find when they said like you can also control the people that uh, are on your team. You can control what they're doing and and uh, their moves as well as while you're fighting. And I thought this sounds really complicated, but actually they made it really, really easy and fun to use. Yeah. True. And I think another good thing is that it is totally separate from the films. So this isn't a game of the films. There's no Chris have, Pratt. It doesn't have Chris Pratt. It doesn't have the voice actors. Um, it is, it's completely its own game. And the developers have created their own takes on the characters. So they went through back through the comics. Yeah, it is Probably very... some inspiration from the movies of what people like. And then they've wrapped all of that up into their own version of these characters. So they feel familiar but they're also slightly different maybe to what you already know. Um, and therefore that has allowed them to create these really deep characters that are really well written. I don't, yeah, I, I, I play, I've read a few of the uh, comics because uh, back in the day when I thought, you know, maybe I can be a comic gay and didn't, <laughs> but I picked Guardians of the Galaxy and yeah, he looks just like who he is in the comics. So, so we're putting that up there. I definitely think so. Yeah. For me, it's, uh, well, yeah, it's like from what I play so far it is definitely, um okay um, i'm gonna pick another one that i know we also both liked but has dipped for me more mm. recently oh. which is ratchet and clank rift apart oh god here we go money sit down uh <laughs> get ready for this now i for me that's a game that has instant appeal um when i first played it i was absolutely astounded um i think that opening section with the carnival stuff it's just, it it looks better than like any other game, I think. Um, it's just stunning. It's a great showcase for the PS5. And when you've bought a brand new console and you want something to show it off, that's the game that you should show to people. Mm. Um, and it, again, it's just really, really good fun. Um, and I think it's it's got some really interesting characters in there. I like that it adds Rivet. So it's got a female character in there, which is great. Rivet is also disabled, which is great. Um, and I think it's, again, it's just really fun to play. And it has that instant appeal that you're just immediately wowed by it. However, it's a game that the more I think about it and the more I analyze it, the more I feel like it was a bit of a letdown. <laughs> I still think it's great and I would still wholeheartedly recommend it to people. Um, but I feel like its big innovation was to show off the SSD in the console, which allows really, really fast loading. 
And that in itself is really impressive because it means you can immediately jump between different levels and that feels really exciting. But I don't think that it makes enough use of that. It's nice to be able to jump into a game really quickly, but it has things like um, these sort of warp portals that you can go through, which effectively it's a grappling hook. It's a grappling hook. It's not that exciting. It's a grappling hook. Or it has certain levels where you can jump between different time zones and the entire level changes. And you're like, wow, that's really exciting. And that feels really cool. And it, when it does it on the fly in certain set pieces, that's really impressive. But then I think there's so much more they could have done with that. You could have had like two different worlds that it load instantly between them, but you have to solve puzzles and one thing changes the other. You need they to play Titanfall that. too. They don't that's do that. It just, fine. <laughs> It just kind of, it's just two different versions of one level and they don't interact with each other. And then there's River, who in the story, great, really exciting. Let's have a new character with their own story. But she controls and plays exactly the same as Ratchet. Their moveset is the same. You get a new weapon with one, you get it immediately with the other. There's no difference between them. So effectively, aside from the story, she's just a different skin to the same character. And so the more I think about those elements, the more I think, I just don't think like they push the game as much as they could. And that has disappointed me over time and made me feel like, I don't know. I just feel like they think about it too much because you enjoyed it when you played it. I did because I was immediately like, wow, this looks brilliant and it plays really well and it feels good to play. Um, and it's really slick and really polished, but, but okay, fine. Maybe I'm thinking the next game they do, they can do more and they can push the envelope a little bit more. But having played like the previous games on PS4 and PS3, to me, it's just more ratchet. And I don't feel like they've innovated enough to warrant making an entirely new game in the way that they have. It was definitely a showcase of the PS5, especially yeah, when they're like right at the beginning, when you're going through the different, you're on like a, you're, you're just constantly going along. I think it's, I don't know if you're falling or if you're on a rail or something and you're going through level, level, level as it's just appearing. I mean that that I think they did it really well. It looked stunning. It controlled and played really well. Um, I actually got the platinum. Did you get the platinum as well? Yep. Yeah. I mean, I found the platinum to be a lot of fun to get, even though it could have maybe been a bit harder. <laughs> they could have added a few extra things, like if, especially when it's a platformer and so many collectibles you can you can get. Um, but no, I I I loved it. I loved it from start to finish, and I for me it's hundred percent in my top ten. Do you think it should be top ten here? I, I would, having said all that, I would still put it in my top 10. I had a lot of fun with it okay, and good. I think it's really polished and really well made. And like I say, it's a great showcase for the new consoles. It's just, I just feel like there was a bit more potential they didn't quite reach with it. Hmm. All right. Um, is... In which case, I'm going to throw out another one. Go on then. Which is It Takes Two. Oh. Now, I think It Takes Two is actually, in terms of gameplay more interesting than Ratchet and Clank. Oh yeah, it's more innovative as well. Because it's a game where, a bit like the Mario games, um, where there's sort of sometimes a different gimmick on every level that it kind of plays with, and it plays with your expectations. I feel like It Takes Two does the same thing. Um, every level you go through throws in something new at you and it, it kind of keeps you on your toes. Mm. Um, so I think in gameplay terms, it's a lot more creative than Ratchet and Clank is. Um, and I really enjoyed it for that reason. Um, we didn't, we played it together and we didn't finish it. We got about so, halfway. 
I can't comment on the story. I do feel like the story is maybe a little bit twee and a little bit trite of the sort of childlike world of trying to get the parents back together. And I'm like, all right, fine. Like that didn't grab me that much. But I'm in intrigued to see. Terms, I'm I intrigued to see really where it goes. Creative. I am intrigued to see where it goes with the story. Um, but no, the gameplay. Uh, yeah, and I think it looked pretty. And there's there's a lot of areas where you're like, okay, I can see what you're trying to do here, trying to make it look really pretty with all the lights of the jellyfish or whatever it was. Was it jellyfish? Or... Yeah. Yep. And but like, it just felt so natural when we're playing it because obviously it takes two. You have to work together to progress. Uh, we were playing this with voice comms, um, but I. I felt it was a little, little bit challenging, but no, at no point were we stuck. At no point were we were like, well, I don't know what to do here. You kind of, we knew what we had to do, uh, even if it was a little bit difficult. Like there was an area where you had to kind of climb up uh, to the top of these various things using the using like moving floors and moving walls to, to, to climb up as high as possible. And yet it was also a bit more difficult because I was trying to sabotage it. Uh, and Oh, we both were. Yeah, and make you die a lot, which is another part of the fun in that. But also, yeah, it was it was challenging, but you always kind of knew what you were meant to be doing. It, it had, and every every corner, there was a different puzzle. Every corner, it was using a different idea or a different concept to progress further. And it, it was just, it never, what I just, from what we've played, I like loved every bit of it. Every minute of it was another fun, ex, a fun activity. It was never a chore, like, oh God, we've got to work together, but you're not quite as good at video games as I am. So it's making it more difficult. I just, it was a really, yeah, like I said, innovative, which maybe Ratchet and Clank lacked and looked stunning, felt really great to play. And, you know, the story, I, I didn't have a problem with the story. It was, I mean, I don't, I'm not playing that for the story, even though uh, that's another game I haven't finished. Um, no Way Out, which I hear is, has a really interesting uh, twist near the end. But this, maybe this one does as well. Maybe the story gets great. But like every level was something different or unique. We were against bees in a tree or we were, um, I can't even remember the first part. Oh, it was going, was it in the basement? Yeah, I think it was in the... Yeah, lots of, lots of, and then like the toy space level we, we went through was really fun. Yeah, yes, going into, yeah. The... So many, so many ideas in that game. Yeah. In, in the way that I think that rivals like Nintendo, the way they make games is crammed full of ideas mm -hmm. and the fact that you have to play with somebody else will have definitely caused a few issues with people not being able to play this if they didn't have a partner to play it with um true but i also really appreciate that it's a game that really focuses on co-op because yeah. a lot of games don't do that um and you know if you want to be slightly more of the moment you know we've had a year of a lot of you know lockdown and pandemic yeah. and people haven't been able to see each other and this is a game that has actually brings people together and it's also you can play couch co-op as well because mm -hmm. it's all on your screen you can see what your partner's doing as well as you yes and i love how it kind of if you're if one person is doing a lot of action and the other one is maybe just holding something like they'll make the screen bigger for that person and it just yeah so they're you know it's a bit it's easier to see if you're needing to, uh, you know, to pay more attention on the screen than the other person. Yeah, definitely for me. Put it at the top. Up there. Right. Um, what do you think of Bravely Default? Bravely Default is um, a fairly generic RPG with some interesting combat and annoying voice acting and really frustrating bosses. So I'll get rid of it. Okay. Um, Oddworld, Soulstorm, you hated that, didn't you? So we should get rid of that. frustrated the shit out of me. 
Okay, well, that's gone. Um, Metopia. I really had a lot of fun with Metopia. I know it's a remake. It's a re-release. As a re-release. Okay. I, I, but very fun. Yeah. Metopia is. It's probably my top ten because I'm probably going to include some re-releases. Uh, I had, but it's it's one of those games where I had a lot of fun just streaming it and putting friends and people in there and mods. Yep. Uh, what did you think? Well, Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate, does that count with it being a DLC? I'm going to say no, because it's just a little expansion. Otherwise, it's a remake. Yeah. It added new concepts, and it was quite difficult at parts, uh, mm. in parts. But yeah, it's not. Although, maybe it's more of a game than Chicory. How dare you? Chicory is 100% in the top 10. Really? Chicory is brilliant. Oh, You are heartless, Ben. That's the problem. Okay. Chicory Chicory works on three levels, okay? The first level uh, is that it is a really fun Zelda-like, because there are plenty of them, Zelda-like adventure game um, that has you solving puzzles using a magical paintbrush. So the way you interact with the world is by painting on it and you use that to solve puzzles as you go through sort of dungeon areas and this amazing overworld. Um, So in that sense, it's got great puzzles and works really well on a pure gameplay kind of level. The second level is that it's all about creativity. So the world is designed as a blank coloring book. And so when you're painting with your magical paintbrush, you can decide what colors you want to use. You can design your own outfits for for your your character that you play as um so and when you finish the game slight spoiler is that it zooms out and it then shows you the entire map a bit like the hero's journey mode in breath of the wild it sort of shows you where you've been purely by where you've painted and it means you could actually go through the whole game and every screen see as a painting and you could spend hours just painting each one if you want to um coming up with different ways to like paint the entire world map So it's a game that's all about creativity in that sense. And the third level is that surprisingly enough, it's a game all about mental health. And it's done in a really, really, really touching way and sensitive way, I thought personally. Um, You might think that you play as Chicory, but you don't. Chicory is the hero in the game. Play as bogeys. No, you play as Chicory. uh, Sorry, you don't. Chicory is the hero, but Chicory is depressed. And so you play as uh, a dog who is their assistant, who I think might be non-binary because I never actually asked you. Um, and it's the same if you're janitor. There you go. Um, I think it's you know the same basically. If you're isn't it the name of your favorite food? Because mine was called bogies. Yes. So um, it asks you your favorite food at the start of the game, and that becomes the name of the dog. Mm. So I played as spaghetti the dog uh, throughout my journey, and apparently you played as bogies. Great. Yeah. I think my name um, was chocolate. and so um spaghetti takes up the magical paintbrush on behalf of chicory because chicory is depressed and so spaghetti is doing this to help chicory um to sort of overcome their depression which is lovely but then spaghetti goes through their own journey of working out well what does it mean to be a hero and am i even worthy of being a hero and so the whole game really is about imposter syndrome And it's about you going on this journey, but never quite feeling worthy enough to be on the journey. And the person who's considered the hero is depressed and can't cope with the pressure of being the hero. And so actually, it's a really interesting twist on the idea of like, 
you know, Zelda is very much you're the hero Link and you're off on this heroic journey. And this is like a really interesting twist on that that's bringing in ideas of like mental health. And it just puts a really interesting extra layer to it, I thought. And, and it's really sensitively done. And I think it's a game that are not, not enough people have played. Um, and it really, really deserves to be up there because it's incredibly well done. Fine. You're heartless. It's, it's just not my kind of game. I got really bored within half an hour and uh, I was like, okay, I can't be bothered painting everything. Sorry. Um, where's, give me Concrete Genie. Now that is a game that's great about painting. I did not play that. I love Concrete Genie. Uh, even though it has a weird, weird, weird change of style halfway through. Literally the first half of it, spoiler alert, first half of it, you just chill, paint things, draw them, they come to life. And then the second half, you're fighting them in like an action game. Really weird. Um, that's also really difficult. Let's, because we don't, well, it's nearly half past seven already. Um, let's pick a few that we think are going to be in the top 10. So like unpacking? Unpacking is absolutely in the top 10. Mm -hmm. And I know people who saw me stream it might think that I hate it and I really didn't. Um, it's a very stressful game to play with other people or to play with other people watching you because everyone has their own opinion on how things should be organized. Um, and that's why it's kind of a universal game. You know, everyone can play it because unpacking boxes is something that everyone's had to do at one stage or another. Um, and as much as it was stressful to play, it's an experience from last year that I absolutely will not forget. Um, and the game itself is very simple, but it's a really subtle way of telling a story, the way that it makes you consider all these objects yeah. and and you consider someone's life through the objects that they've collected uh, or maybe discarded mm. um, and the different homes and rooms that they move to. And that's or having that no everyone, place to put something. Yeah. And that's something that everyone has has dealt with throughout their life we've all got all our belongings that that we've collected that represent us and i think it's a really interesting way of telling a story through that a queer story i should add mm. um through through those objects and i think it takes something really mundane but manages to make magic out of that yeah i i loved it um i played it off stream as well which i enjoyed more and sometimes you'd look at it and go oh my god there's seven rooms in this house i've got to unpack and but like as you're doing it, yeah, you're you're being you're learning the story. But I I also felt kind of it made you feel intelligent and clever, like l l working out when you're unpacking this what the story is telling you. Um, there's one bit in it. I'm not going to spoil it, but you don't have space for something, and there's only one space you can put this thing, and it's out of the way, and it makes you realize just how, yeah, it makes you. I don't know, it, made, it really made me hate a character just by having to put something in a place. And it, yeah. it, something, I, I just, yeah, that was a unique thing. And I'm, I really appreciate a game that tries something different. And it, like telling a story through unpacking boxes sounds weird and probably sounds quite boring, but it's actually really innovative. And it didn't outstay its welcome, I don't think. Yeah, it's only, it's only a couple of hours long. Yeah. Uh, Unless you really take your time over choosing where things go and being really pedantic. As I may or may not have been. <laughs> Maybe not. Um, Kana, Bridge of Spirits, I want to eliminate. Um, it was, it didn't, it wasn't that fun. Uh, it wasn't very tight. The, like the controls, it was just kind of repetitive. I didn't really enjoy the combat. Um, 
And yeah, they just wanted to try and make it look a bit prettier, and it was, but it was just boring. I just got really, really bored playing that. Um, Fair enough. I did not play it. No. Knockout City, I'll eliminate that because I didn't play enough of it. I played a few hours of it. It was great. It was fun. It's kind of dodgeball. Um, I was quite good at it, which I enjoyed. Uh, yeah, I know. Maybe I was against bots. Who knows? But I really enjoyed that. Uh, okay, we've got weird uh, weird children in the chat. How weird. Lovely. All right, then. Um, looking at my list of ones that I think would be in the top 10, I Halo Infinite I've not played enough of. I've just done the first couple of levels. Jurassic World Evolution 2 I enjoyed. I don't think it's top 10, though. Alan Wake remastered. I hated. Uh, it was so frustrating with the controls. Far Cry 6. Again, I've not played <laughs> not played enough. I played it for about like eight hours, but when it comes to a Far Cry game, I haven't even like discovered a couple of the areas. Um same with like Tales of Arise and Deathloop. I'm just a few hours into both of them. This year I'm determined to like actually play games to their completion. Even if I have to uh that'll be, be welcome. Mm, we will see. We'll see. <laughs> If I've got, to, hopefully I'll have enough time. I think I will. I think, oh yeah, Solar Rash. That was the, um, yeah, I played it. It just didn't really stick with me. I got a bit bored. Um, I I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it's got a really beautiful art style and music. Um, I think it's an interesting mix of like Jet Set Radio meets Shadow of the Colossus. Um I think the issue with it is that it's quite heavily structured. Um, and so each world or each level you go to, you essentially just do the same thing every time. So it never quite develops enough. Um, and all it does is just get a little bit more difficult in terms of platforming. Mm. And as much as the controls of skating feel fun, eventually it gets to the point where it's just really loose and you're jumping all over the place. And it's just, I found it a bit frustrating by the end of the game because it just hadn't quite gone where i thought it was going to go um but it's still a really interesting game that's worth playing for sure yeah um so we'll, should we eliminate that one yes what did you think to pokemon brilliant and diamond pearl because you've got pearl i've got diamond i've done a few gyms you as well i think, I think yeah I'm, I, I haven't really played i mean i played enough of it to sort of get what it's about and it is i mean it's obviously a, a remake of an old pokemon game so it plays like the old pokemon games and in that sense it's a really fun nostalgic title mm. um i'm not a massive fan of the art style it just looks a bit odd to me um but it's nice to play an old style pokemon game again um it's it's not a top 10 for me but i've no. had a lot of fun playing it same Jurassic World Evolution 2. Now, that is a game I have finished. I finished the career mode and did a fair bit of the other stuff. It's more Jurassic World Evolution. They've added more to it. It's a great game. Um, when it comes to kind of those management, park management games, it's a good one. I think I still prefer Planet Zoo uh, or something, maybe even, yeah, like a roller coaster type one. Um, if I'm wanting to kind of like have these kind of management sims. It's good fun. The, it's weird because the career mode was great, although it followed on from the previous film, which I hadn't seen. So I didn't really get a lot of it. Uh, but the career mode was more or less just the tutorial. Then I started playing the area, that playing the one where it's based on the movies or based on scenes in the movies, like pretty much from the first one until the most recent. Um, and then there's the various, the which is called Chaos Theory. And then there's more like a, there's a, I think it's a, I think there's a scenarios one but i don't know you're, you're unlocking the various things 
it didn't frustrate me too much. I felt like I was always making progress. It wasn't one way like, oh no, this is, I'm going to have to restart from scratch because I've screwed up this part completely. You, there's always, um, there's always like, the, the, it always feels like there's an incentive to stick with the park that you've got and just to improve it and make it better. Um, it's good. It's not, it might be my personal top 10, very close to number 10. Um, and you've not played it. So I'm guessing, yeah, let's, it's not one I'm going to fight for the top 10. Fair enough. If we're going to be strict. All right. Uh, we're going to, let's go and speed up a little bit. Go on then. Tell us about Deathloop. Okay. Deathloop is a game that a lot of places are putting in their top 10 lists. Um, if not at number one. I do not want to include it. Um, I think it's a game that looks beautiful. It's got a really interesting art style. I think it absolutely should be applauded for having two black leads. It's something that is just not seen enough and there should be a hell of a lot more of. Um, as a white man, I'm not going to say if, that's, if, if it's an authentic portrayal. Um, from what I've read from... Uh, from black writers or from the voice actors, it seems as if they have really tried to be authentic in their portrayal of, of having two black characters. Um, and I think that should be applauded, absolutely. I think my issue with the game is that it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. What I thought it was going to be was Hades meets Hitman, which in my head sounded amazing. It's a game which has that looping structure that we've already talked about with some others, um, and which is sort of the Hades roguelike kind of vibe, but it's all about assassinating people. So the idea is that you have these, I think it's seven visionaries that you have to kill and you have to be able to kill them all in one day in one go. Um, and what I thought was it was going to be was sort of a sandbox where like with Hitman, you have to manipulate people and find different ways of killing them. Um, and it's kind of like a big puzzle to solve that you have to solve yourself. Unfortunately, that's not how it works at all. It's a game that is really, really heavily structured. Um, there are four distinct areas of the map and there are four time zones in your day, which are morning, noon, afternoon and night. And effectively, you can do sort of four combinations of those in a day. Um, but in order to kill the assassin, uh, assassinate the visionaries, you just follow what are called leads, which are effectively missions, and they are very, very linear. So it might be that you jump around time to do it. Maybe you have to access somewhere in the afternoon in one area, but in order to get the access code, you have to go back and do a new loop to morning in a different area to find the code. And so you're sort of jumping through time doing things, but what you're doing is still very linear and you're not working things out. It's literally just, the game tells you this is what you need to do and you just go and do it. So it's not a creative sandbox like I thought it was going to be. Um, and so effectively, you just follow these leads, complete these missions, and then you have your final mission, which is to kill the visionaries, which is the big ultimate aim of the game. But the game has effectively told you how to do that by completing the missions. But you so didn't. It took you quite this... a few tries, didn't it, Ed? Shut up. <laughs> so... <laughs> So in order to solve this puzzle, the game has effectively solved itself just by playing it. So it's not as if you've got this interesting puzzle that you have to actually use your brain on of, all right, I know this person is at this point at this time, so I need to get them here and this, that. The game tells you that. Mm. And that just really disappointed me because I felt like I'm not using my brain. I'm just running through shooting people. And that sounds perfect. As much as 
for some people maybe that's what you want for me i just mm. i found it disappointing i thought it's got a great art style and great representation and the shooting's kind of fun but again it didn't reach its potential of what the game could have been now you're saying it's not top 10 because it didn't reach its potential or that it was bad because it i mean all games have storytelling uh, storytelling and there's a lot of games that will you know will tell you where to go next for the mission but you're just saying you would you not put it in the top 10 because it didn't hit its potential but it sounds like a really interesting concept the fact that you're on this loop and you're finding people in certain days even if it does tell you where to go does the concept not make it deserve to be in the top it's 10 it's an interesting concept but it's nowhere near as clever as it thinks it is okay well i've again not played enough of it to warrant i mean i didn't get grabbed by it um so yeah well, what should we do let me run through a couple of others that could get- be Oh, sorry. Deathloop is yeah, is it's not off. included for me. Okay. It's off. Oof, not included, um, which Deathloop. is controversial. I know. Mm. Let's run through a couple of others that are maybe popular, but personally, I don't wouldn't be in my top ten. Um, the Artful Escape was really fun. Um, it's quite a short little indie game about a musician. Uh, it's got great music, great sense of style, um, and I really liked it. For me, there just wasn't enough game to it um it kind of it sort of just plays itself but it was a really fun experience so i would urge people to play it but i wouldn't personally put it top 10 um what else is on here death's door um would maybe make my personal top 10 but if this is joint it's not going to be up there it's a really fun game oh, yeah i liked is, what i played of it but yeah it, wouldn't it be feels my top great 10. to play it's sort of dark soulsy meets zelda um, with a with really fun combat and a really cool sense of style. I love the style um, of it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it just lo- it, you're playing as a crow, like defeating death, uh, which is really cool. Um, I think there are maybe other games that I've enjoyed a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and like a, a linear game of oh, death, yeah. like a death door kind of linear. I saw Mike Chebb playing it, and it, he looked like he was doing some kind of puzzle. Then he went on to a next part, and there was a puzzle, and I was like, if that was the game. Generally, it was just kind of like going from area to area in quite a linear way. Um, I think I would have enjoyed it a bit more. But it was like a lot of going back on yourself and I was getting lost all the time. And it, it was fun to play, but I was I was getting lost half the time. But there's, because there's no map in it, is there? There is no map. Yes. Yeah, really upset. Remember really... where you're going. Yeah, that just annoyed me. I got um Boyfriend Dungeon, I know, was big for, a, for when it came out. A lot of people enjoyed it. Let's not talk about the stalker side of things and, and oh. whether it should be changed or not. I think it's great for representation and the visual novel romance side of it was really fun, but the actual dungeon crawling was massively limited. And for me, just let, let the game down. I would have enjoyed it a lot more had it, there been more depth to that. What about um, Psychonauts 2? Because a lot of people love that game. Yeah, and I fell off it. And I sort of appreciate what it's trying to do. Um, it, it's very um, inclusive. Um, again, it's got an interesting mental health aspect to it because the game is all about, and, and as was the first game, it's all about delving into people's minds and it's all about psychology, but it goes through it in quite a sensitive mental health kind of way. Um, I believe it also has a same-sex marriage in it at some point, but I didn't get that far. Um, it's very creative. It's just, I think for me, I just I found it hard to get past the art style. I played through the first game and again, I just found it's it's comedy and it's art style and it's weirdness. 
I think is a bit of an acquired taste. And personally, I just wasn't super keen on those aspects of it. Um, but a lot of other people I know really enjoyed that. Um, so I, I, I like how people, I appreciate how people would really like it. Um, but it just wasn't to my personal taste. Pokemon Unite? Is not my kind of game at all. Okay. Mainly because uh, it involves playing with other people that don't understand the rules. <laughs> and I got really <laughs> aggravated. I can I can see that. WarioWare? Get it together? Absolutely not. It didn't like, like yeah, because you hated it. And then uh, didn't people, didn't it review quite well in the end? It did, but it was awful. Okay. Do not waste your money on that game. Don't listen to other shitty reviewers. Listen to Ed Nightingale. There you go. The Eurogamer. Although the, I think you reviewed it for the uh, the other place, the pink place, didn't you? Did. Yeah, we don't talk about them. We don't. Unsighted. Um, now that's a game that's... Uh, I was going to say, a couple of other quick sorry. ones. Unsighted um, is well worth playing. It's a, it's a sort of sci-fi Metroidvania kind of game with a st- uh, cyberpunk aesthetic. It's by two trans-Brazilian devs um, and it's got a lot of sort of trans representation and queer representation in it um i haven't finished it but what i've played i've really really enjoyed um if you like that kind of game i would wholeheartedly recommend it um loop hero is another game that unsighted are we not top 10 then it's not top 10 no yeah all these are just not top 10 i'm just chatting through loop hero is really fun um i'm not going to get into it now because it's the kind of game that is quite technical on its gameplay aspects and it, you, you're either going to click with it or not. Um, Came out last but it's year a game, well. again, with like a sort of no. looping structure, RPG. It's kind of old school, retro vibes to it. But it's very easy to just dip in and out of. Um, it's it's fun and it's quite interesting. Um, but it's not it's not going to be for everyone. It was last year actually came out. Sorry, I thought it was the year before. But no, it came out in March um, on Windows. Yes. Um, and then the last one to mention is Tales of Arise, yeah. which I am so far very much enjoying it, but I started it a couple of days before Christmas and I haven't got far enough into it yet. But it just seems like a really well-made, really polished JRPG with really fun combat. It's not super original, but what it does, it does very well and it's really enjoyable. So I'm having a great time playing it. But as a JRPG, I'm assuming it's like 70, 80 hours long and mm-hmm. I've put about 10 in so far. So um, I don't want to include it at this point because I'm not far enough into it. Yeah, same. I, I played it a fair bit. Absolutely loved what I played, but not enough yet. Um, yeah. Uh, what, I mean, looking at the ones, I mean, Dorf Romantic, we need, you need to say uh, something because there's a lot of people in the community who love Dorf Romantic. Dwarf Romantic is is a really smart little puzzle game and it's very relaxing. Um, it's just, I don't know, I personally just prefer more in-depth story Intelligent games. games. Yeah. Not intelligent, story-driven games. Um, I think it's a really smart little game. Um, I, I feel like it would make a great mobile game it's the kind of game that i would sit and play on the train and while yeah. away hours on very easily um it's not even on switch is it no it's pc only i think it makes no sense yeah because i was actually looking for it i was like you know what because i was back home and I, the only thing i had on me was the switch um so i was looking for games i was like oh doff romantic i'm like because very kindly money has gifted it to me and i haven't played it yet but i will uh i'll give it a go like one afternoon but yeah i just thought oh you know what? i'll get it on the switch but no it's not um okay 
So, oh, Pony Pancakes says, the only negative review of WarioWare on the site I'm looking at is negative because you have to play as a witch and at, at one point. And who wants to teach their kids to get into the occult? Garbage. Are you on, like, Christian video games? <laughs> Something like that. Maybe. Yeah. It's a game that literally you just use one button to do very quick little mini games. And it doesn't because it goes through them really really quickly and i know that's the point of them they're micro games and you go through super quickly um but it you sort of eat, you either get it or you don't and there's a real emphasis in this particular edition of the series on playing with other people but that means you have to play cooperatively and that means if one of you screws up then you end up losing it immediately just because you didn't quite click like quick enough mm. and you you play as different characters, so you interact with the games in different ways depending on the characters you've chosen. But they all have slightly different controls, and it's so quick that it changes like within seconds what character you're playing as. That it's just, it's just so confusing to play that I just thought this isn't this isn't fun. And also, there's a story mode that's about two hours, and then there's nothing else left to it. And it's just, it's not worth spending forty quid on or whatever it is. There's not enough game to it. Other games that Ed played that we're not including, I'm guessing, Dark Deity, Mario Golf, Super Rush, Monster Hunter Stories, Two Wings of Ruin, Garden Story, No Longer Home, Neo, The World Ends With You, 2D and Top D, whatever that is, and Festival Tycoon. Do you want to talk about any of those? No. <laughs> <laughs> not even Neo, The World Ends With You? Because I know there's some fans of uh, it here. There are fans of that game. I mean, it's... Say it's I terrible. Say it's terrible. I hadn't played the DS original so I can't compare to that. What I understand is that there are links to it, and and uh, and I guess that passed me by from not playing the original. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of coming into it fresh, and for me, it felt just like it was trying to be Persona and failing. Um, and it has a structure where it's going through through weeks, day by day, and it just repeats that structure endlessly within the same world. And so it just goes on and on and on. And you're like, I just want this game to end because it's getting really repetitive. It's got a really cool style to it. It's got a great soundtrack. Um, and it's got an interesting battle system where you have different pins that give you different abilities, uh, which is fun. But I just found that it was far too long to, to what it deserved to be. I found it really repetitive. Well, I think we've lost all the viewers now that were... Uh... Apologies to any big fans. Right now we've got the top. I think it's top twelve. Twelve, yeah. So we need to remove two of these. The top twelve we've got for people that are listening on the podcast and those that can't see it: Resident Evil Village, Forza Horizon Five, Monster Hunter Rise, Life is Strange: True Colors, Returnal, Metroid Dread, Eastward, Guardians of the Galaxy, Ratchet and Clank: Rift Apart, It Takes Two, Chicory, A Colorful Tale, and Unpacking. So, are there any on that list, Ben? I'm going to allow you one Ooh. that you absolutely want in the top 10. Oh, I thought you were going to say want to eliminate. I was getting ready no, then. I'm going to be positive. <laughs> Always positive. I, oh, 100%, it takes two. Yep. Yeah. So we're bold okay. in that. What about you? And I am going to have my choice as Returnal. Okay, Returnal. Um, I think there's one here that we probably both agree shouldn't be in the top 10. Or is the weakest of all of those? Eastwood? You moved your cursor to Forza, so I'm guessing you're going to No, not that. Forza. No, Eastwood. <laughs> I just put it out of the way. Eastwood. Interesting. Um, yes, that's probably the weakest of those. I'll agree on that. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so let's eliminate. We'll put it in red. Because uh, it's still technically, you know, there. 
Uh, and, and this is the, I think this is the difficult part because all of these are great. I know which one you're going to say. What to eliminate? Mm. Well, the one of those that I played the least is Forza. Yeah. But I can appreciate why people want that in the top 10 because I can yeah. see how it's a really slick, having played a bit of it, it's a really slick racing game and it's got great representation and accessibility. So I can appreciate and I'm more than happy to keep it in the top 10 if you feel strongly. About I think it. that should be in there because, yeah, for everything you've just said, the customization is incredible. I do know somebody that got banned on that um, because they, um, no, I won't say why, but uh, I, th I found it funny, but uh, apparently Xbox didn't. And uh, it was, um, <laughs> they, they, yeah, they made a, a white van with a, a thing on the side of it. You have a look on uh, Twitter. It's hilarious. I can only imagine. But I also think, I'm pretty sure, who was it? It was either Laura Kate Dale or Sam Greer, maybe one. It was a journalist that had the trans right van, the trans rights van. It was just a van with like trans rights written everywhere. Like <laughs> the amount of customization you can have in, uh, in Forza is brilliant. And it just, it controls so well. It, you pick it up, you just drive. You might not even do anything for 20 minutes. You're just driving across the scenery. It's amazing fun and also yeah the career mode has these cool set pieces that they love that you can actually um repeat now which i don't believe you could in the past or it was more but yeah you can just redo these and it's like these set pieces yeah where the, i mean at the very beginning of it they chuck you out of a plane you parachute down and then you're going down a volcano it's it's camp it's so over oh, the yeah. top <laughs> um and i also think it would be great on the top 10 just as a bit of a di as diversity i mean a racing game. I mean, there's going to oh, be sure. one on next year's, obviously. Uh, Gran Turismo comes out this year. But, um, yeah, you know, I think having a racing game, there's a lot of games here that are very similar. Like, I mean, Return of Metroid Dread, we're probably going to have to pick one of those two uh, to be on the top ten, because they're very similar. Um, one? <laughs> but, you know, I think Forza should be should be in there. Oh, yeah, I'm... I'm... I'm happy for it to be there. I'm just saying, for me personally, it's the one of those I've played the least, but I'm yeah. more than happy to have it on there. Shall we maybe split these into high and low, mm. and then we can argue on orders? Yeah. It does. Have they added the uh, ASL captions to Forza yet, or was that? I don't think they have yet, but it is on the cards. Okay, good. Well, we'll give them proper kudos when they actually add it. Okay. I think it takes two is high. Okay. Do you? Yeah, I feel like I know where you're going with this, but yeah. Okay, I. What do you do? You think Returnal is high? <sighs> I think it is, and if we're talking high, we're talking one to five, and I suspect you're going to say fine. Put it at five. Uh, no, I'm very happy to be it to be in the top five. We're not going to demand. I'm not going to demand that you uh, that you you know put it in there, but I found Returnal to play a lot better than Metroid Dread. Metroid Dread, I did not like the controls. Like, trying to aim the laser at some kind of camera required three or four buttons to be pressed at the same time, and I hated yeah. that. I I appreciate that, yep. So I'll put Returnal. So, okay, well, I'd like Returnal high, and at least then our both immediate choices are high. Yeah, I also think Life is Strange True Colors 100% is high. Yep. You? Yep. Yeah, agreed. I don't want to be bossy. I'd hate to be accused of that. Um, um, I think Monster Hunter Rise can be at the lower end. Yeah, still really good, but I, I know, I think it is in the top ten because we do have to remove one more, don't we? Yes, we do. Um, um, 
So we'll put... Um, what, what about Forza? That would be lower, I think. Yeah. I think we'll keep that lower. Yeah. Uh, right, I've got to tidy this up a little bit. So up in the, for people especially that are listening to the podcast version, we've got It Takes Two, Return or Life is Strange. In the top half, we've got Forza, uh, Monster Hunter Rise. Uh, yeah, Monster Hunter uh, and Forza in the lower. So that means we've still got a place. Resident Evil Village, Metroid Dread. Uh, Eastward, we're eliminating uh, Guardians. If I'll put Eastward down in your played games. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Ratchet and Clank, Rift Apart, Chicory, and Unpacking. I think Guardians I'm happy to have there, but it would be bottom half. Yeah. I've, let's say I've only played five or six chapters. I haven't got to the bit where I've heard that there are lots of bugs. <laughs> so... Yeah, that's like in the lower end. Um, I think unpacking is high. Because mm -hmm. I think we both love that. Despite yeah, out of these, I think unpacking and Resident Evil Village are high, mm -hmm. especially as they're games that we've both played and enjoyed. And finished. And finished. My God. Uh, Resident Evil Village... Hi, and then oh, that's the five. Metroid Dread. I, I mean, obviously for me, it's not in my top ten. I didn't really enjoy it, but I would rather have Metroid Dread than Chicory. But then we're gonna pick two. This out is of where these. it's gonna get really, really stressful for me. <laughs> Because all three of those, I think, deserve to be in. Those being Metro Dread, Ratchet and Clank, and Chicory. All three of those should be in the top ten. But there's one game there that we've both platinumed and we enjoyed and loved when we played. I know. I'm trying to... You'll regret it, because I've done this before, where I've had a game where, I, and I've kind of convinced myself that it wasn't actually that good and then completely regretted. Like, for example... Um... Yeah, no, in the past I gave... PUBG game of the year and Breath of the Wild second. Wow. Oh, no, okay, oh, then you have no Oh, was say. it third? <laughs> or was it third? I don't know. I think Night in the Woods appeared in that. I don't know if that was the same year. Um, but then afterwards I've been like, no, actually Zelda should have been number one. Great. Well, that's that bodes well for this but next pub, however long. No, PUBG was a game that changed and it still has, it's still like impacting games to this day is PUBG. Is it? And I loved that. And it was also... Is it? PUBG was the first game I streamed and it got me so many... Yeah. Now, PUBG for me personally, it's like Animal Crossing. It was one of the early games that sent me on my way as a streamer. Great. That doesn't mean it's the best game of the year. For me. But that was my personal one. Well, great. Also, um, I'd like you, if we do get rid of Ratchet and Clank, I'd like you to, uh, you know, you're going to be on a call with Moni for the rest of the day. I mean, there's a part of me that would love to troll and do that, but I do think it deserves to be in there. And considering this is a joint list, um, I think let's keep Ratchet and Clank because we did both enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I, to be honest, this Metroid or Chicory, I am happy to well, let you choose. Well, that's the thing is that we're now at a point where it's basically up to me to decide because yeah. you haven't played either of them. <laughs> I've played about an hour of Metroid, didn't like it, uh, 50 minutes of Chicory... Didn't like it, but then that was only 15 minutes. So I could have, who knows, by the end, if I'd stuck with Chicory, maybe I would have enjoyed it. And from what you said, it sounds interesting, but 
it's 100% your decision. Great. Thanks. I mean, look, Metroid Dread is a game that I, I was sort of wowed by because I really wanted to like it because I love the Metroid series and it struck a chord with me because of that. Um, and it was full of nostalgia. Um, but I do appreciate, yes, the controls are, even I found the controls kind of tricky. Sorry, even I. Even I, I liked as it, a but game I still found journalist. the controls tricky. Um, and it does lack a lot of accessibility, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, Chicory is maybe not quite as good a game, but I think it has a bit more impact in terms of what it's trying to say. It's mm. a bit more of an important game. Um, I maybe had more fun with Metroid Dread, but I think Chicory has more to say. And I think it makes more of a point to include Chicory. Okay. So you think I split the screen. By the way, Cheesy, thank you so much for the raid. Welcome. Hyper Geek, how are you doing? Hello, everyone. Uh, we're doing split the screen. This is We are back now every Thursday, 6 p.m. Um, normally talking about video games, but we're starting off this year with a special one where we're going to be uh, very soon. We're going to be talking about, well, we're going to be ordering the top 10 games of the year. We're currently deciding right now. This is, we've got the top five, but not in order. It takes two, Returnal, Life is Strange, Unpacking, Resident Evil Village. We've got the lower five, Forza Horizon 5, Monster Hunter Rise, Guardians of the Galaxy, Ratchet & Clank, Rift Apart, and then either Metroid Dread or Chicory. Which one do you think is a split-the-screen top 10 game? Well, that's the thing. I'm trying to decide for both of us. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like, to be diplomatic, I feel like I will say Chicory because it has more to say than Metroid Dread. And because, to your point earlier, we've got Returnal in there as a very difficult space game. With no accessibility. In which case, maybe let's not have Metroid Dread as another difficult space game. Okay. As much as that really, really <laughs> pains me. Yeah. Oh, I'm not going to have to give up something later, is it? To, you know, younger black. Well, I got rid of Metroid Dread, so you've got to... I mean, look, this is a very strong top 10. Mm. As, like, for people who say, oh, 2021 wasn't a good year for games. Okay, maybe it's hard to order these, but that's a very strong list of 10 games. Yeah, those top five, uh, top 10, apart from, yeah, a couple I have no interest really in finishing. There's a lot of those games that have been, you know, provided a lot of fun this year. They're just like, yeah, there's... <laughs> me it's still not obvious what's going to be number one um what do you think is number 10 though let's start from the bottom let's um well, let me put them well again am i thinking of me or us because us. if it's me it would be guardians of the galaxy wow if it's us, it's us. i think it's chicory because you haven't played it yeah um I oh here we go. I understand. Um, yeah, I mean I'm be okay. I'm okay with Chicory in at number ten. Okay. Uh, right, that's not working. Let's see. Okay, so number ten. In which case, Chicory. Chicory. In which case, how do you feel about Guardians of the Galaxy at nine? Yeah. Because even people who love hello money, even people who loved Guardians like money, have commented on how buggy it is 
I think, yeah, I think it's just, it's, it is buggy and its gameplay is not the most original of things. <laughs> oh, um, throw money in the chat. You will go to hell for putting Guardians at nine. Okay, so maybe <laughs> I read her comment slightly differently. Um, it, I just think other games on this list have a bit more to say and are a bit more original. But the fact that it got top 10, I think, is is impressive for a game that no one knew anything about this time last year. It sort of came out of nowhere with a really surprising story. How would you react to putting Forza at nine instead? And Guardians 8? Yeah, because I think it says more... Because Guardians is such a good game. I think putting it higher than... Putting it nine is like very good game. It came out. Where I think just a bit higher might be like, you know, actually this is a really good game. Um, I mean, Forza, you know what to expect from Forza. Everyone knows it's a great game. Um, I mean, I was going to suggest Forza at eight. So I'm happy to switch those two if you want. I had as much fun and as great as Forza is, I had more fun. Well, I've had more fun playing Guardians than Forza. Okay. Okay, we'll put that there. Uh, that's for you, Moni. No, I, I genuinely had more fun playing Guardians than Forza as much as I enjoyed both. Mm, I mean, any any game that's in the top 10 is great. Yeah. As, as, as we keep saying, this is such a strong list of games. Mm. And there is, I'm, I, you know, I look down at the other list, at the other games we haven't put in, and there are plenty there that are brilliant games, mm-hmm. but just haven't quite been as good as these. Yeah. This it's is close. Game. This year is close. Um, that's as so far guess... as Ben says. All the games were shit last year. They weren't shit. They were... There are none of these games that I'd replay. There you go. Wow. Okay. Um, uh, okay. What was better, Ratchet or Monster Hunter Rise? Hmm. Good question. <laughs> uh, I mean, Ratchet grabbed me until the end where I platinumed it. Monster Hunter Rise, I'm very interested in going back to it, especially playing with friends that I loved the, uh, like, I loved streaming Monster Hunter Rise and having friends join in and we all went went off hunting and the weird and wonderful things that would pop up playing that uh, was a lot of fun. It's, <laughs> if I say it's more Monster Hunter, but better, but then Ratchet and Clank is more Ratchet, uh, but better. I, th- I think I prefer Monster Hunter Rise, actually. In that sense, they're quite similar games. They're just taking what's been done in the in their series and making them better. Mm. Um, I was actually going to say Ratchet higher. Okay, uh, they're, they're both. I mean, I did platinum Ratchet, so I can't really say that it wasn't as enjoyable as Monster Hunter, really. Sure, I'm, I'm more than happy with having Ratchet at six and Monster Hunter Rise at seven. Let's do it. But Monster Hunter Rise is a game that I would go back to. Ratchet and Clank, I mean, I'm done with it now. Yeah. I mean, you play through it, you platinum it, you have a nice time, you're done. Yeah. But it's a great thrill ride along the way. Hmm. It is. It has a bit more, I guess it has a bit more impact in that sense than Monster Hunter does. Hmm. Monster Hunter's more of a slow burn with friends. I wonder if it'll have, I wonder what it'll be like when it comes out on PC, whether it'll have a renaissance. Maybe. Hmm. Maybe. Kind of makes me want to play. Maybe I'll play some Monster Hunter Rise during my 24 hours of stream. Stream anniversary. Because that's a game that people can just pop in and, and play and join. Yeah. 
Okay, then the top right. five. So we're at number 10. We've got Chicory, A Colorful Tale, nine, Forza Horizon 5. Is it Forza or Forza? It's Forza, isn't it? I think it's Forza. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy at number eight, Monster Hunter Rise at seven, and Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart at number six. Um, Do you have any particular strong opinions before we start this top five? As in lower, or what should be number one? Because I won't. I'll keep it a secret. Well, what, what, I think. What, what do you think should? I think I think I you. I think I know what you want as number one already. Uh, um, no, you don't. Oh. Um, I I think five. Resident Evil Village. Okay. I loved it. It did a lot of fun. I enjoyed, but things I loved Resident Evil Seven, and for me, Resident Evil Seven was more of I think Resident Evil 7 this is going to upset some people I think Resident Evil 7 is a better game than Resident Evil Village because the entire game is in VR and you can play and that it to me makes it more special because it's a, one of the first AAA games AAA games that you can play in its entirety in VR and there are no issues no hiccups it, it was like a revolutionary game for me when it came to comes to VR was uh, Resident Evil 7 whereas Village was just a really good Resident Evil game See, I, I mean, we're not really talking about seven, but I found seven to not be a Resident Evil game. It didn't feel like a Resident Evil game to me. It was a good horror game, but it felt too far left field for the series. I didn't and care I about it being Village, a Resident Evil game. I just I, as a game, I thought it was a better game. But I think Village brought it back. For me, Village is like a best of of the series. It's got all the best bits from all the best games and brings them all together in a package that doesn't quite fit together, but is a really fun game. Um, I'm happy with that at five. I had a I had a really fun time with it. Yeah. I wrote a hell of a lot of articles about it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a game that we will absolutely remember. Um, 2021 was about Resident Evil Village to a large extent. Um, but I do think it's flawed. Yeah. I wish Lady Dimitrescu had been more like uh, Mr. X stalking you. I don't think she was as scary. Well, she was, just not all the way through. But also, she, I don't think she was as scary as him. But she could have been. No, because she was a sexy vampire lady. Well, to some people, Mr. X is a big, muscular, daddy dom top. Maybe. Nemesis Maybe. is, yeah. Nemesis is his kind of weird uncle who had an accident. All right. right. <laughs> so, now mm. we have a top four. And... Again, I'm thinking of us and I'm trying to be nice and diplomatic. Okay, then. And I'm going to allow Returnal to be number four. See, if, if, you, if you'd have told me, if you'd asked me at the beginning of the stream where Returnal would be, I'm happy to have it as four. I thought you would I mean, have... It would be nine, my number one, but... I thought you would saying. have bullied me into putting it as like second... I would gladly put it at number one and we would have had Metroid at number two. That's what I was thinking. Are. I was like, I bet Returnal is going to be forced to be number if I, two. If I did my own list, it would be quite different. Well, you can still do your list. I could. Maybe we'll get a split the screen blog up where you can just write the shit that Eurogamer doesn't want. more writing to do, please. <laughs> um, fine. I, considering you didn't like it and I am very passionate about it, I feel like for is an okay position for that to be. Oh, it's still in. a very good game. Like I enjoyed the controls and stuff. It just wasn't for me. Whereas something like Metroid, I didn't like the controls. 
and it wasn't for me. Okay. Mm, now this is the most difficult part. <laughs> well, two of these we've both finished. One of them we haven't. Yeah. And that's It Takes Two that we haven't finished. But we've both finished Life is Strange and Unpacking. Yeah. Should that color our opinion? It depends. Because we've played... But we've played more of It Takes Two than Unpacking. Well, well, only because it's... I'm going by percentage, not like length of time. Okay. I mean, look, I finished Life is Strange, haven't finished It Takes Two. I probably had more fun with It Takes Two than Life is Strange. Mm -hmm. But Life is Strange has more impact in terms of its diversity and what it's trying to say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, these three is very, they're just so close for me. Um, it depends. We go back to like what the criteria is to make it number one or number I two mean, or look, number three. My, okay. So I'm going to think back to last year mm -hmm. and we had our top three. Yeah. Um, and well, actually there's sort of, for me, there's sort of four bits of criteria here, really for, for us last year, our number three was Hades. And for me, that was kind of a perfect game in terms of the way it's been crafted and the way it's been put together. I think technically the way it's made is incredible. Um, number two was Animal Crossing, which is the most memorable game of the year for me, um, of what you're going to remember 2020 was about, was about Animal Crossing and being in lockdown. Uh, number one was Final Fantasy VII Remake, which was the game that both of us just loved for nostalgic reasons and just for personal reasons that I just fell in love with that. And I guess the fourth criteria is what has what game has the most to say, mm. like wh whether it be about diversity or or whatever else. Um, you which know, two of those games have, and one them one especially has it, and the other, well, one pretty much doesn't. Yeah. However, I think it takes two is also a special game because uh, obviously we both played it. Um, it's also a game that requires co-op in a time when many people are still in lockdown and all this uh, but you can also play it online and you only need one copy of it as well which i love uh, as well as it being on game pass so <laughs> anyone can play it um i mean all three games are fun i mean every game on this top 10 is fun so it's hard to say you know which which one is more fun than another mm -hmm. and so i think that's why we have to start considering well which of these has the most to say which of them is the best crafted game which of these are we going to remember more than others? Yeah. I mean, in that sense, I sort of feel like unpacking is an experience that I will absolutely remember from last year because, yeah, it's it was one of the first games that I streamed, but I had a very particular experience of streaming it, and it's a game that I will still remember. Life is Strange is brilliant until the next Life is Strange comes along and probably does the same thing better. Look at the chat. What did the chat say? Sorry, Ed, but that's no, not don't on. Listen to them. Uh, well, because the game is not long. I'm incensed. Uh, 
says Miss Bell's capped. Uh, Fling says, is this a diversity list or not a fun game list? I mean, those all three of those are fun. Um, yeah. They did make a chart for each of the categories. I think if we started putting like points and stuff, it won't be what our what our heart tells heart us. tells us. I have. I honestly, I think we can't put. I think we need to put it takes two in third because we haven't finished it. As much as it, I could quite easily put that at number one. I think it's it'd be weird having a game at number one that neither of us had finished. Yep. As much as we did I, love it. I agree with that. I mean, okay, let's be real. It Takes Two, Three, Life is Strange 2, Unpacking 1. That's where we're going with this. Uh... Because I mean... Life is Strange is an experience that, as much as it was great, yeah. and it, it is a vast improvement on the previous Life is Strange games, and it's got great representation and all those sorts of things... It's a game that will continue in a series and will be improved in the next one in two years' time or whatever else. And Where's there's not going to be an unpacking to stories, whatever. Unpacking is a very unique experience. It's a one-off game mm-hmm. that it, that won't. I, I think it's unlikely that they'll make an unpacking two because as much as that style of storytelling could work, you sort of ex- know what to expect at this point. Mm. So. I kind of feel like it's it it's in a year where if you look at the rest of this list as well, you've got, you know, Forza sequel, Monsanto Rise sequel, Ratchet and Clank sequel, Resident Evil Village sequel, Life is Strange sequel. That's I mean, that's another reason why I think Returnal is up there for me, because it's a very singular, unique experience. And I think unpacking is as well, and therefore deserves to be high. Um mm. It's doing something that Life is Strange doesn't do in terms of gameplay. Yeah. As much as they are both telling queer stories, and I'm very happy that we've got two queer stories as the top two. Yeah. Do you think, though, that... Did you ever get bored during unpacking? I know you got frustrated. But do you ever look at and go, there's seven rooms, I've got to empty all these boxes? Do you not feel it ever dragged at all like that? No. I could see why someone might feel like it dragged. I think playing it on stream with an audience added to that personally for me um, and meant that I didn't get as bored. There were times where I thought, oh God, there's now suddenly seven rooms and an entire house to unpack and this is going to take forever. Mm. But then you start unpacking it and you unravel that story and you kind of get into it. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, if I'm honest, I look at these and I think I really liked Life is Strange, but it's not my game of the year by any stretch. No. Whereas unpacking, I appreciate it as a very unique and interesting experience. Yeah, the I mean these two games, I'm quite I'm very lucky. I'd say even maybe the these top three games are probably looking at this are probably my top three games as well. I'm not even going to do a top ten for myself because yeah, these top three really are, and, and they are very close. And there's not one game that I'm like, you know, I absolutely, I will 100% bat for it and I love it. And there's not a single thing. Like Final Fantasy VII Remake, for example, I found it quite difficult to genuinely think of some negative things about it that I didn't like that kind of put me off. Um, Whereas all these games, there are certain things that I didn't 100% love. Um, 
but I'm more than happy for unpacking to be number one. And I agree with you. Like, Life is Strange will be improved upon with the next one. It was great. The music was wonderful. I loved it. Um, neither of them I'm going to play again. But I do, and I do want the DLC. I don't want to play this uh, little DLC extra that they brought out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, Unpacking was, was a really good game. I think let's do it. And also, I've got to do some packing. Oh, when I'm moving in the future as well, I'm going to grow to hate that game, aren't I? <laughs> Maybe I should play it and like learn or maybe get inspired. <laughs> not sure about that. Maybe not. <laughs> um, so should we put Life is Strange, True Colors at number two? Let's do it. And unpacking is our game of the year. So let's read the top 10. So number 10 is Chicory, A Colorful Tale. Number nine is Forza Horizon 5. At eight is Guardians of the Galaxy. Seven, Monster Hunter Rise. Six, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Five, Resident Evil Village. Four, Returnal. Three, It Takes Two. Two, Life is Strange True Colors. And at number one, Unpacking. I am. Um, are you happy with that? Are you? I'm happy. Are you happy? It's not my personal one, but I'm happy. <laughs> It's a combined effort. Are you going to now have a a good old uh, rant and uh, make your own top 10? And I might do my own top 10, yes, just for comparison's sake. Okay. Which means I can put Metroid back in and put Chicory higher. Oh, okay, yeah. I think I would, yeah, get rid of Returnal, get rid of Chicory, and put... Um, uh... <laughs> well, yeah, what would you replace them with? That's the question. Um, Actually, that's not a question because we don't have time. No, <laughs> I'd probably put something like I probably I'd change the criteria. Maybe put Mass Effect in and Hitman. Cheeky or Far Cry just for the lulls. I don't know. Oh, but yeah, no, I, I'm happy with that. Like to me, for like I'm not doing a top ten as well because I genuinely don't think there are ten games that I loved uh, last year. But hopefully, this year it'll make it a lot more difficult. Okay. There we go. Mm. We did it. We did. Eventually. A top 10. And yeah, what a way to be back. Are you looking forward to doing this podcast every single week on Thursdays at uh, 6 p.m.? No. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, it will be lovely to be back each week um, and to uh, not have to put an entire list together. And we can just talk about yes. what's happening that week. We can have some extra special guests. Mm. Um, and uh, bring some new voices in. Looking at games that are due out this year, like some of the big games, if they do come out, obviously, because, you know, delays and all that. I mean, we've got, yeah, Elden Ring, Horizon Forbidden West, uh, Starfield, potentially, uh, potentially New God of War, Gran Turismo 7, I mean, the new Pokemon game, I don't know if that's going to be great. Zelda Breath of the Wild 2, potentially, I don't know, they haven't said anything. Yeah, um, the yeah, the, I mean, Forspoken, Ghostwire Tokyo, um, Stray, looks interesting. A new and maybe play. some random little indie game will come out of nowhere, yeah. like Unpacking, and just be the most interesting little game. Marvel's Midnight Sun, is that something? Or Midnight something? Uh, Splatoon 3, um, A Lord of the Rings Gollum, Stranger of Paradise, There's Sonic Frontiers, 
there's potentially some, and the new Life is Strange. Oh, it's the remaster one, actually, I'm looking at. Yeah. There's a triangle strategy. <laughs> there's potentially some incredible games coming out this year. Yeah. So um, get ready for another long one this time next year. Oh, yeah. Get ready. Prepare. Get lubed up. Yeah. There's a lot of potentially, I don't know. I feel like this this year delays aside, excites me more than the year I've just had. Fair enough. But then, yeah, well, there's also the little indie games. Maybe we can talk in a future episode about what we're looking forward to this year. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Well, um, we're going to be back next Thursday at 6 p.m. where we're going to be joined by... Da, da, da. Money does stuff. There you go. And yeah, in future podcasts, we're going to... A lot of the time, we might just be... It might just be just us two, but a lot of the time we want to uh, get people to join us, just chill with us and chat. So... You know, we might ask you or we might put out a shout if anybody fancies it. So we've got a little list of people we can message. Um, and yeah, we're just going to talk about what games we've been playing. Also, I am looking forward to having it where I'm going to be playing games that are new that are coming out. And I will actually maybe not make notes as I'm playing it. But before the podcast, I'll write a few things just so I know what to say. I'm also thinking as well in the future, it's potentially uh, that potentially I'll be just doing the podcast on a Thursday. Um so that'll be the only stream I'm doing is the podcast rather than the extra Animal Crossing or whatever I'm streaming uh, just to give me time to set it up and a bit more of a break. But we'll see about that. Well, yeah, go to splitthescreen.com and you can subscribe and listen to all the old ones. It's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, any RSS feed, any podcast kind of player that you've got. Um, and where can we find you, Edward Nightingale? Uh, you can find me at ed underscore knights with an N uh, on Twitter and Twitch. And you can read my writing on Eurogamer. Excellent. And you can find me at twitch.tv slash biggestbenus or biggestbenus1 on Twitter where I'm just rambling. And you can <laughs> see my always. A to Z of uh, 2021 games, which ended up being more serious than that. I was going to do like jokey, goofy stuff. And then it ended up just being quite serious. So. Next year, I'll prepare it better. I think I'll send them all off at once. All right. Nice. Do, do, do the thing. <laughs> See you all next week. Thank you very much for being here. Be there. Or, or be, be split. split.